tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. Won't cost you anything to make a call. And Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, a temporary business is blindsided by an astronomical gas bill. Listeners give their thoughts on unrequited love, the role of the hedgerow during the war, of during the Civil War indeed, and uh, why we need to honour it. Uh, Tipperary Gardie keep us up to speed on what's been happening around the county. Tipperary singer Anthony O'Connor is live in studio and we have gardening with Alton Nesbeth. And uh, as always, we urge you, if you have a gardening query, will you log it with us as soon as you possibly can on 83 311 for your text and your WhatsApp. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. A quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. The Irish Indo, first of all, fee schools know better for pupils chasing higher points is their banner headline. Attending a fee charging school does not greatly enhance a student's chances of getting into a high points university course and that's according to new research that's out. Also on the Indo today, a GAA star currently under investigation for alleged fraud, was hit with a debt judgment for a five-figure sum by the Revenue Commissioners, and that's according to the Indo today. Uh, The judgment was made in 2018, and its satisfaction status is described as unknown. And seemingly the well-known sports figure is currently embroiled in an alleged fraud scandal amounting to almost €1 million. And there's much, much talk about that indeed. Uh, The Irish Examiner and they're telling us that uh, domestic violence victims are having to wait up to four months for the courts to hear their safety uh, applications as new figures reveal a postcode lottery for people who are seeking protection from violent partners and Tipperary not coming out too well out of that uh, either. Uh, We were lied to from the moment Leisha died and continued to be lied to uh, for many years after her death. In our opinion, they cared about Leisha until the moment she died, and then they cared more about the reputation of the Coombe Hospital. And that's what a heartbroken uh, father, uh, Quilin O'Squilly, um, uh, told the High Court after his uh, premature baby, uh, baby daughter indeed. Her heart was accidentally pierced during a chest drain procedure at uh, the Coombe. But I was watching... Uh, the aftermath of the court case on TV last night. And it was just heartbreaking uh, to see that uh, family and how distraught they still are. Um, the Irish Daily Mail, ban on petrol and diesel cars. Now, this will be of great interest to our motorists out there because car owners won't be able to buy any new petrol and diesel vehicles within 12 years and will have to switch to using expensive biofuels in old vehicles. The EU has ruled. And the vote in the European Parliament which was welcomed by the Green Party leader and Transport Minister Eamon Ryan, means a phasing out of internal combustion engine vehicles and eventually that all new motors on the market in the EU from 2035 should be zero emission vehicles. Uh, The Irish Times 
A church seeks to delist assets from new vacancy taxes. An interesting one that the Catholic Archdiocese of Dublin has made dozens of submissions to the City Council seeking to delist as many as 32 churches and parish centres from a new tax that is supposed to spur house building on uh, vacant uh, land. Also on the Times today, the Chinese made surveillance cameras at the centre of national security concerns are being used in guard facilities right across the state. So that's a quick peek at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to comment on any of that, 083 311 How can a family-run Tipperary Hotel gas bill go from six cent in contract to 23 cent when out of contract and be able to get a, a contract price then again of 6 cent. Well, John Nallon is proprietor of the Manella Hotel in Clonmel and joins me now. John, good morning to you. Morning, Ben. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today, John. Can you tell me the background to this, John? Because we had a conversation the other day and I was just astounded by this. We have three gas meters on our premises and we changed one meter. We changed, there's a, they call it a medium business uh, meter and there's a fuel variation tariff, tariff, right? Now, when the gas crisis this time last year and gas started, the general advice was don't go into contracts because nobody knows where this is going. Yes. So our our contracts were up in a heap, really, right? So we end up then in in December, our our medium medium business. So that's medium business. That's businesses like that are not huge. Mm. We were we were in our contract price was six cents, and we went from six cents to twenty three cents. Now, the other tariff was a fuel variation tariff, okay, and that went from six cents to eleven cents. Now, like, how how they can justify the two same gas coming into the same premises? Okay, different name on the meter, coming into the same premises, coming to the same place. One gas goes up by four, the other gas goes up by goes up by two, by, by multiplier of two. And you try to get into contract, you try to go to the providers. In October, we tried to contact them. We, uh, we said we wanted to get back into contract. They didn't come back to us. Eventually, in January, we still didn't get back to them. And last week, when I went through this, I said, this is closed down, job. Our gas bill was €40,000 for the month of January. The month of January that you're only open, there's only a social service, just opened the door. And €40,000 is the gas cost. So I said, this cannot continue. And when I got on to them to get back into get back into contract, they said, yeah, we can get you back in at the moment. And I said, what's the price this is going to be? And to six point seven cents to get back into contact. Wow. Now, if that's not robbery, I, I don't. I, 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 the regulator, like, I think these energy companies. I think they say they could have the protein every night. You know, I mean, they're cleaning us out. They, they, like, they talk about windfall tax after them. It's cab should be going into these people. I mean, like, this is crazy. And they have your direct debit. You have to use the stuff. I mean, if you get delivery of a product and you're not happy with it or the price is too dear, you have the product, give it back. You get the gas, the gas is gone. You get the bill when the gas is used, and they have your money. They can just scoop your money. That's it. And if you don't pay, then they put you in as a bad pay or nobody else will supply you. Do you, so get, do you get any notice, uh, John, that you're out of contract? Oh, it, on, on, the, on the bill, on the gas bill, on the side of the gas bill, there's different information. It just says in contract. When you go out of contract, that in contract word disappears off the bill. That's it. That, that's all you know about. There's no, like, there's no nothing on your gas bill to say your contract runs from whatever to whatever. But it just, when you go out of contract, the word in contract that's on the right-hand side of the bill in small print disappears. Right, but the that's next bill you get then could be astronomical. The next bill can be anything. can be anything. 
Is there any way, because you're a very good customer and because you're going back into contract again, will they relook at this in some way and maybe reduce the amount? Well, I, I asked them, I asked the man, I said, can you backdate these rates to the 1st of February? Because I'm, I'm halfway through February now when I got changed. And he said, no, we can't. No, we can't. And the, the 26 cent meter, it's, they, 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 they put that on from the 12th of February, I think. But the other meter, that's 11 cents, um, and that can go to 6.7 cents again. I cannot get that on the 1st of March. It can't change in the middle of the month. That's incredible. But I presume you have correspondence, John, where you sent to them and, and asked them about contract. Yeah, I have an email. I sent them in October. I sent them an email in December. I sent them an email in January. And eventually I got them in. When, when I sat down last week and I said, this is army gate stuff, this is closed down time if I can't start this. And when he came back to me and he told me 6.7 cents, I fell off the chair. I couldn't believe it. Um, and what about where other energy providers are concerned, uh, John? Do you have a choice as to where you can go for, for your gas supply? Yeah, we, you, you can move. The, the advice is that you move your energy. We, 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 we emailed five or six providers. The most of them said they weren't in a position to quote for commercial gas at the moment due to the uncertainty of the market. Wow. So it, it looks like a monopoly. It looks like they're carving it up. That I have him and I, I have my hand in his pocket, so you, you leave him alone, lad. He's mine, you know? Just it's like... It looks like the same thing as the fellas send the drugs in the territory. They all keep their own territory. No, just, just look, it looks completely distinct. And I mean, I don't know. We're how, regulated. I how, mean, we're the, my business is the most regulated. We're the most regulated country in the EU as far as every, people come into me every second day of the week with a little string around an equity card from the government that they can do this to me, they can do that to me. But there's no regulation for these people at all. Have you been Have you been in contact with other hoteliers, John? I mean, is, is this right across the board, this issue? Well, Anybody that has been 26, 23 cents, yes. But, 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 like, the, 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 like, when I, I understood that the way the gas was done, that my 11 cents was going to go to 23 cents when, when, when I, when it changed. And when I, when I got onto a couple of hoteliers, I said, Can I look at your gas bill? And they sent me bills, and they were on 11 cents. So they were, like, they weren't getting completely cleaned out. I mean, I understand that we're in a crisis, but you were, we're, we're, we're in crisis the whole time. And, like, when we were in crisis for COVID, we were told we had to close our business. Everything changed. I mean, there's a war now, there's a crisis. But there's no crisis with energy companies. Only get us working for them. I mean, like, the, the, the government are saying now they're going to get a windfall tax. Cap should be going to these people. Like, this is crazy. This is just Armageddon stuff. I mean, an armed robber has more honour than, than an energy company at the moment. At least an armed robber doesn't know what you're going to do or he doesn't know what he's going to get after you. These people can think of a number, double it, put it in your pocket. And nothing being done about it. Now, you know what they'd say is that the, the cost of gas to them is fluctuating like hell all of the time, and it has been uh, for quite some time. What do you say to that argument, John? But how can... Most of this gas that we're still using in this country, of my belief, is coming from Cork, right? This is the same gas that I was buying at two cents. Now, there's no ships getting blown up between Cork and me, or there's no one going in danger or there's no, as a result of a war. So it's the same energy we're using all the time. But we're just on a price because... It's market related and because we signed over to the energy companies that they help themselves to our money and our energy. So this but is like, opportunistic as far as you're concerned. Oh, no doubt about it. And and, and and there seems to be no regulation. I mean, I don't know where all these people that have regulation on our business and they come in to me every second day of the week with a government badge and say they can do this to you and do that to you and give you seven days and 14 days. Where these people are in the energy business, I do not know. How does this compare to your electricity supply, for instance? Well, our electricity supply, we're on a... We're on a, a, a Market wholesale rate on electricity supply. 
Now, I got into that at the time where say you're there and you don't know what way to jump. And it's just like, it's like whether you back horse number seven or horse number 11. You just have to take your chance and, yeah. and sign up in the finish. So, so we are on a, a wholesale energy, wholesale electricity price with energy. Now, on, in August, our electricity was 74 cents a kilowatt hour. Our electricity bill was 37,000 euros in August. And I said, this is, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Hmm. But August was the peak of the cost of, of electricity. So in September, I didn't know, you'd be afraid to open. Like one time, you, you're worried about a registered letter about getting the same. Now, at the moment, in our business, you worry about an energy bill or a, or a milk bill. There are the two things that have gone through the roof in our business. Energy and the Zambia bill. They're the two things you worry about in our business now at the moment. But when I got the electric bill for, for September, it was down to 32 cents because it was on a variable rate. And fair enough, we were at a variable rate. We paid, we paid the price. So, it, so it's, it's still like electricity was 11 or 12 cents. Mm. And the night rate was 7 cents. Now the night rate is 18 cents. And the average rate for the, I think it's 34 or 5 cents we're paying at the moment. Like that's the multiplier of two and a half again nearly. How can you budget with a business that's as variable as that? But you, you can't. You, you, you can't. I mean, you don't know. And then they're looking at the back today, like, they're not, they're not going to, it looks as if we're going to lose the VAT today. That's another eight percent, uh, sorry, five percent on top of on top of um, the VAT. Like it's, it's yeah. just crazy. But you but, cannot do like like well, our, our gas use for 2023 January was forty thousand euros. The gas in 2019 with ten percent more gas use was eleven thousand. Wow. But like the, the regulation, uh, like I, I, I don't know, like. I, I, there's a feeling in 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 the country. Which, and I'm not saying that Michal Martin or Leo Varadkar have decided we want to wipe out family business or medium-sized businesses. But certainly, the bureaucracy in this country has decided we don't want any we don't want any more family business. We don't want we're going to shaft all these people. We're going to give them as much hassle as we can. We're going to leave everybody rob them, and we just have multinationals and we have big stuff and we want nothing. The people like people sole traders, people trying to run family business this country at the moment, they're just going ballistic. They're, they're just people are going after like health and safety. It's not about health and safety. The people that run the business, they're going after heads. People are people running businesses, medium-sized yeah. businesses. Why don't you look around and see all of my clothes? And what, whatever is happening, the tone of interviews about, particularly about hoteliers around the country, has changed drastically because there's little sympathy for keeping the 9%, for example, at the moment. And whenever a discussion is around that, there's talk about price gouging, John. Yeah, but that, that's the people in Dublin, and that's not, that's not the medium-sized businesses, and that's not the family businesses that are doing that. That's the hedge fund mm. hotels in Dublin that just want to produce a margin, and they, they're happy to produce a margin at the end of the day at 3% for their investors. And they don't care. They just they, they just drive on and they don't care about anybody else. And they're just pluck, plucking the money off people and they get taking them into tears from their eyes. And something but you th- said to me towards the top of our chat, you said about a door closing um, issue. I mean, it, does it come to that at times that it's, it's so... I, I, if I closed my door in January and turned off the gas, I, I'd be a lot better off than I am now. It's, it's that bad. Like it's just crazy, but like, I mean, like the, the, the whole thing is just like there's a will in the country to just shaft medium-sized business. All you got to do is look around, Carmel. All the family businesses that are gone, people just can't stick it anymore. They just want, they just want multinational retail, multinational everything, and and nothing else. 
just—it's gone crazy, like. Um, yeah, that's that's very damning, John. And and what about the voice of the hotel industry of businesses like your own? I mean, have you have you any clout in government circles? Well, don't see that. You see, like, okay, the voice of the hotel industry is is, is, is critical, and the man there is, is boxing politically all the time. And a lot of his members, you see, the, the voice of the hotel industry is based on the size of the hotel, and an awful lot of the bigger hotels are these these corporate conglomerates that are just that that the man doesn't mind. Like a man running a family business is, is a different beast to a person running a, running a, a business for a conglomerate. Mm. You know, you 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 go down. It's like being on the Titanic. You go down with the ship when you run the family business. You know, fellow run fellow running a, a corporate business. He doesn't care. He works his nine to five or he works his eight. He goes out there. He says good luck and thanks. I mean, we are there for sixty years. We're trying to keep the thing going for the next generation. You know, it's different psyche. But like, they don't understand that at all. The, the bureaucracy in this country doesn't understand like. When you your family business, you want to ring somebody, you're available twenty four seven. You're dealing with a conglomerate. You get onto a somebody in India, maybe you know. We gave Flo, Flo uh, Gas an opportunity to get involved in the conversation and to give us a statement. We haven't heard back from them uh, yet, John. When we do, we'll be back in touch with you and we we'll see what it is they have to yeah. say. Is that okay? I, I know they'll say I I, I I missed the ball. I went out of contract. Hands up, I did go out of contract, but I didn't put a sign up say, "Please rob me, please please clean me out." Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know you're buying. I'm buying like our products are gone up. Our beef has gone through the roof. Milk has gone through the roof. But like, it's it's it, like there's like I can decide. I can decide, but the beef is still dear. I'm not buying it this mm, week. Yeah, I can't decide with the gas. You know, like I, I can I cannot decide with the gas. I have to have it. Or, or electricity, obviously. Or electricity, but there's no like. There seems to be like. I mean, I have in our business. We have to answer for so many people. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah. You know. But like these people, so I even just on the radio there before you came on, there, uh, there was a man interviewed about, and he said that the Electric Ireland have got into some very bad contract for two years that they're paying too much for their gas, and he said the regulator can't check the contract to see whether they're telling the truth or not. The regulator cannot win. So that's just heard them in the, the regulator cannot win to see whether they're, whether they're genuinely whether they genuinely made a mistake or whether they're telling lies. So, so the regulator doesn't have the powers. You say, oh, is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You come into me with a badge, and they can go to do what they like. Anybody, you know, anybody. You have seven days. You have fourteen days. You have the right to remain silent. Like it's just, I, I don't understand it. You know, I just kind of. There's a will. There's a will. Of bureaucracy at this country to wipe out family business. There's no question about yeah. it. I, I can hear the frustration in your voice, John. I mean, this is yeah. this is really troubling you greatly. Oh yeah, Peter. Oh, like I'm I'm forty years. I'm I'm in the business since as a child. But you just have you just bureaucracy just pushes you over the cliff, you know. All right, John. Thanks for your time today, and we'll see what we get back from uh, Flow Gas on this. Uh, look after yourself, John. Thanks very much Thank indeed. You, Thank, you. Thank you. And that's uh, John Allen there, as proprietor of the. The wonderful Manila Hotel in Clonmel. It gives you an idea of the uh, frustration there. What do you think about that? 1800 938 The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Anne joins me now. Anne, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. You have some thoughts on the, well, what most people see as the lovely plaza in Clonmel. You're not impressed, Anne. No, to me, it's a white elephant. It's a waste of space. Yeah, for just for people who might be sure about Clonmel, this is where the army barracks was, of course, there in, in town, yeah. Yes. Well, really and truly, what's really, really needed is a proper guard station, and I cannot understand why they did not put that in 
forget about their plaza. There's even could put a small special area as well there for the kids to have a skateboard ring there because there's nothing really, I don't think, for the youngsters. You know, because right, I see it down in there's a lovely area for skateboarding for the kids. But apart from that, you know, it, it's really bad. A big open space and nothing in it. Right. And the argument might be that that open space could be used for concerts and outdoor events and that kind of thing, depending on time of year. And does that does that mean anything to you? No, 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 it doesn't. Because, look, any time I'm passing there and they could even have a museum there, mm. there's nothing, absolutely nothing. It's not enticing anyone to go in, really. Now, as you know, there are plans for the Garda station to be in that area, but it's, it's, it's being held up and it may be held up for many years to come, in fact. Yeah, yeah, and the other one will fall around their ears. Yeah, it's dreadful. Yeah, that, that yeah. to me does not make sense. It really don't. Yeah. Uh, I can never understand the way things are going on. There's a lot of places closing down in Clamell. It's an awful pity, because Clamell was always a great town. But sure, it was a great shopping town always. I mean, people, yeah, people would come, come from other towns and, and uh, villages to Clanwell, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there was even pro, uh, proper public transport. There used to be having bus going in and out there three times a day. Mm. There's nothing. There's no public transport for anything. So things, and there, there's mm. uh, two universities or colleges up around there on the bypass. Mm. They're actually doing up another one, and uh, I don't know where they're going to put students because where are they going to stay? You know, and no public transport for to bring from A to B. So there's a, a lack of, um, yeah, a lack of rental uh, rooms and uh, rental space for sure, yeah? Yeah, unless mm. they're going to have a proper campus that students could stay there. Mm. If, if you think about it, it's like the hospital years ago, there was always a place for the nurses. It's called a nurses' quarter. That's right, yeah. Quarter. No, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mm. Yeah, you're Every, right. I remember that in Cashel, in fact, at right, uh, yeah. a ladies' hospital there, there was, uh, uh, that was dormitories for the nurses, yeah? Yeah, no, there's nothing. Even I remember one in Dublin as well, it was always a lovely place. There mm. might just, and there's a few others, you know. Mm. But just everything has gotten gone down here. So what would you have done with the plaza then? You would have had a skateboard facility there, is that right? Yeah, yeah, and definitely the first thing I would put a proper guard station there. Because they really need it. Hmm. Now, I heard you saying before that you were in around at the guard station and you were disgusted with it. I won't, well, Tom Finnan brought me in there and I couldn't believe the yeah. the conditions that those uh, men and women are working in. It's just it's disgraceful. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. agree. It's, it's, yeah. You know, in this day and age, you'd think there'd be something, wouldn't you? Where is it going wrong, do you think, Anne? What's, what's happening? Oh, I definitely don't know. The government. Look, the government don't listen to the people. Number one, they really do not listen to the people. You could be blue in the face trying to ring them or get through them, and you might be welcome to to the cat next door. It's mm. no, it's a no-win situation with them. Then they come to the door for the vote. Well, I'll tell you, they won't get my vote. But a lot of these things that are done, in fact, including the plaza, they're they're put out there for public scrutiny ahead of time or for public comment and mm. ahead of time and. Are you the kind of person, then that would make your feelings known on a, an oh, occasion? Oh, yes, I would. Right. But do you think you're not being listened to, is that it? Exactly. They don't listen to the people. Yeah. The ordinary people, they do not listen to them. Yeah. You know, and that really annoys me. Well, they'll be listening to you when they go around looking for your vote. Oh, yes. I'll tell them that's what I will. I'm the same with roads and everything. I could give out more about roads. Mm. It's real, you yeah. know? Yeah. 
How, yeah. how, do you think things have just improved over the years, Anne? Everything has gone downhill. Yes, it, it really has. There's no sense in anything. No, doesn't you know? I don't know what it is, but it's just annoying. Listen to everything every day. People are getting down in themselves. Mm. There's nothing there for them. Mm. You know. You feel you're you're banging your head off a stone wall. I just listened to that man, Mr. Allen. Oh, mm. my heart was out to. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Try, try running a family business a very fine hotel, a very fine business and I've been it a few times and I tell you yeah. it's so sad because there's an awful lot of places I said around till my floors down they're not getting the, the, the business, everything is gone mm. you know and I do feel for people, I really do and people then trying to raise families today it's very very hard all right, Anne. Well, we wish you well, and thank you for your opinion, Anne, and lovely to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye to you, Anne. That's uh, Anne speaking to us, particularly about the plaza in Clonmel. She's not impressed. Now, I have to admit, I like it. I, I, I think it's a lovely uh, space, and I can see how it's going to be used in the years to come for outdoor events and that kind of thing. But anyway, that's just my opinion. What about yours? 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie uh, Mary was on to say, I feel sorry for John Nellon. It's such a corrupt country. I run a small country shop. My electric was always between 500 and 700 euro. I got a bill in January for 1600 euro. Same usage. I have to turn off fridges. It's terrible. Uh, they will close me down. Uh, please get somebody on to explain, says Mary on 83 311 Another listener saying energy prices are lower now than at the start of the war. The energy companies say you won't see it on your bill for up to two years because they bought in fuel at the higher price. If that's true, the price of energy uh, should not begin to rise for up to two years after the start of the war. Yeah, you see, you're applying logic to it and you, you dare not uh, do that. Um, another interesting one in the government started this in the early noughties, Fran. They wouldn't give C2s to small building contractors. Uh, they wanted them to work paying 33% of everything to the main contractor. Only wanted a few dozen very big builders in business so they could control all of the money and the workers. Now doing the same to small hoteliers and to small businesses. It's sad times, is one of our listeners. Chloe joins me now. Chloe, good morning to you. Hi, how are you? I'm very well indeed, and good to talk to you today, Chloe. Will you tell me your story? You were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. When, Chloe? I was. Uh, this month, two years ago, I was diagnosed. Right, and that's obviously life-changing for you, Chloe? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I tried to just take it in my stride, of course. Yeah. But uh, it's okay, it's manageable now, thank God. Which is great. You're going to tell us, though, how you had to go about looking for help and looking for services. How did that work out for you? So, basically, I'll go from the start. Like, when I wasn't diagnosed and I didn't know I had anything, um, I just lost most of the vision in my right eye. 
and my GP recommended that I went straight to the hospital. So obviously I went straight to Limerick emergency room because it's closest to me because I'm in Nina. Mm. And I sat there with my mum in that waiting room for over eight hours, I think, without being seen by any doctor. And there, there were so many sick people and everything, like, you know. And you were 18 so, at this point and your sight had gone. Yeah, in my right eye. I, could only, I couldn't see anything that I was directly looking at, only what was around it. Right, it so was very weird. You must have been very frightened. Oh, of course, yeah. Yes. So tell me what happened after eight hours then. I decided, well, since I'm travelling by bus, I have to make the decision, am I going to stay here for the night or am I going to go home and come back tomorrow with hopefully a referral? So I did go home and I got the referral the next day to go in and there was a bit of a wait, but eventually I was seen. So thank God for that. And after a lot of tests, they then diagnosed me. And but it took a lot of time. Took a lot of time indeed. And I believe you had to go to several different hospitals, did you? I did because I eventually ended up going to uh, Port Leash because recently, unfortunately enough, I suffered a head injury and I fractured my temporal bone. Oh my God. Yeah, and I was in Limerick, but I just I wasn't comfortable there. I didn't feel like that was the right place for me. You know, there was no communication, I don't think, like, yeah. compared to what I experienced then in Port Leash. Like, it was very different. There was much more communication, and I was in straight away, you know. And is that because Limerick is just so busy, Chloe, that staff are flat out? I guess it could be. Like, it yeah. definitely could be. It was very busy, I must say. Um, how How is the MS affecting you? I mean, have you still issues with your sight? I don't. Thank God, like, they put me on three days of steroids and that brought the vision back and ever since I haven't had any symptoms and they said I'm in remission basically now. Right, which which is good. Um, yeah. And I presume you have to go for constant checkups, do you? Yeah, like, I'm meant to get an MRI every year, say, and then probably eye um, tests as well, like right. I'd have to go to the ophthalmology for that, right. but that would be Limerick again. <laughs> and you, you're not exactly delighted with the fact you have to go back to, to that hospital? Um, if it has to be done, it has to be done, but I also have other appointments then in Tullamore and Portleash, you know, so right. I'm all over the place. Right. And what are you doing now, Chloe, can I ask? What? I'm just relaxing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just taking my time with everything at the minute. Right. And what has this diagnosis, I know you're in remission, but the diagnosis, what what has it meant to your life? I mean, you're only 19. Yeah, like, I re- when I heard like them say it, I first thought, well, I'm very young mm. to get that. I thought, like, no, I've only heard of old people getting that, you know? Mm. So I took that into account, like, but, I don't know, I didn't want anyone else around me to, like, feel sorry for me or anything, because, you know, I don't want to make anybody upset, especially my family and that. So I really tried to hold strong, and I did. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of aspirations about what you want to do with your life and the like, what, 
Can you look that far ahead or how how are you feeling about oh, that? Yeah. yeah. I was studying applied social studies. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go down that line I think. Will you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So as as a young woman then your overview of the health service in general from what you've seen, Chloe, is what? From what I've seen it was horrific, but I just really I hope it improves or has improved in some form. Yeah. Because what? Because we all need it, like it, or all of us depend on it, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. Well, Chloe, thank you for sharing your story with us, and uh, no we, we wish you well, Chloe. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having th- me. Thank you. You're very welcome anytime. Thanks. That's Chloe there. She's 19, uh, last year when she was 18, uh, diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis, but happily in remission at uh, this point, and we do indeed, all of us here. Uh, wishing Chloe well. Now, yesterday we received a letter um, for our dear Phil Slot, and it was from a lady who had never confessed her love for a neighbour, a married neighbour, a guy who was a nice guy, seemingly, but um, she just fell in love with him from a distance, I suppose, so to speak. Uh, But he passed away, um, sadly, with a heart attack, and she, she couldn't share her love with anybody, but she is grieving and struggling to cope. And we posted the letter uh, on our social media platforms and Shannon was in touch. Shannon, good morning to you. Well, Shannon, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well at the moment anyway, Shannon. Wh- what do you make of this? What What would your advice be to this lady? Well, I think first of all, fair play to her for saying nothing because I think that must be a generational thing because I think these days women are out to take your man. Mm. But um, I think we need to get this lady on first date and get her a husband. Yeah. Because she's obviously lonely, so it's the best way to get over one, you know, they say. <laughs> <laughs> but from her point of view, um, it must have been very difficult. I think I made the point yesterday, Shannon, she must have seen your man head off with his wife for various different functions and maybe, you know, Valentine's oh, yeah. Day and Christmas and all. And here she was, you know, hiding the fact that she was so in love with him. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe it wasn't really love like maybe it's just that she's lonely and he was everything she was looking for in a man and then she was watching him the way he was with his wife yeah. no maybe there's someone out there that would be the same for her yeah and she was infatuated with him in some way I suppose and yeah. one of the things she said at the end of her letter was that she's now uh, regretting the fact maybe that she didn't present her love to him in some way uh, do you think she, she was right not to Oh, yeah, I think she definitely was. If he was happy with his wife, he was best left alone. Yeah, and he, he never at any stage... Well, my reading of the letter, he never at any stage gave any indication that, you know, her feelings were were, were uh, the same with himself, you know, so... Yeah, no, definitely. I think she did the right thing there. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's a lot of people out there, you know, nurturing a love for somebody that they can't speak about, you know? Oh, I'd say there is, yeah, definitely. Mm. Okay, but your advice to her is... Go out there and so, yeah, find put yourself out there. Don't be sitting at home on your own. Go out and find somebody. There's someone out there for everyone. So mm. start looking. <laughs> start looking, yeah. But you see, if you're of a certain age, I mean, where do you go to look now? That's that's the problem, isn't it? Um, I don't know. Maybe go to bingo or something. <laughs> you think you might find love at bingo, Shannon? You never know. <laughs> you never know. Indeed. To find him down the local duns or something. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Shannon, great to talk to you today. Garmin Wahagot, thank you. Bye bye to you. That's uh, Shannon speaking to us there. How do you feel about that? 
um, as I said, the lady, she was madly in love with the guy next door, never spoke about it to him, uh, kept it to herself, and then he passed away. So she's grieving as if she's lost uh, a lover, I suppose, in a, in a lot of ways. How do you feel about that? We'll be right back. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Declan was on to say, and he said, uh, I wonder, Fran, if any members of the DUP in the North had a child that needed uh, that legislation, would it have been uh, passed? And that's making reference to the six-year-old boy um, awaiting a heart transplant. Um, But the Democratic Unionist Party, the DUP, they blocked the Northern Ireland Assembly from passing uh, a new law designed to literally to to save the the child's life and uh, the hypo- hypocrisy of them, because um, the former uh, DUP first minister Paul uh, Given, he was smiling at the McGowan family and he praised them for their courage and uh, their campaign, and then he he dumped blame for what is a political impasse, I suppose, on the UK Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, and uh, you know they apportioned blame there. Um, but in the meantime, uh, the McGowan family, I think they will have to go to the House of Lords now, I think, um, to do something uh, about this. But um, it's amazing the way politics can get in the way of uh, humanity, isn't it? Uh, we're going back to that um, that letter to dear Phil yesterday. And Smiranda joins me now. Good morning, Smiranda. Good morning, Fran. How uh, are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you today. You you were listening to that um, that letter as well. What what do you make of that letter and uh, the woman's unrequited love from the next door neighbour? Yes, um, I felt sadness, but I felt sadness more for how probably how many other stories the same stories are out there, mm. and we are not aware. Um, what I would say is, um, if I can give advice, mm. uh, I would say um, find a person to share with, because the, the grief, uh, it can be overwhelming. Mm. And I think it's a pity to um, leave the grief. Um, living with grief on your own is harder than the grief itself. Yeah, and it must be very lonely, Miranda, because she can't share this with anybody, really, because, you know, it was the love that dare not speak its name, I suppose. Yeah, this um, not sharing with anybody, I think it, it's very... Um, and forgive my... I, I don't want to sound ignorant, or I don't want to sound... Um, it, it's very Irish in one way. I can... I, it's a fear of being judgment, and I think it's very human yeah. uh, to to go uh, deeper than that. We are afraid of being judged, but at the end, if you are looking at the sharing, uh, it's more important to be um, judged, or it's more important to feel okay or healthy, because you can be judged and to um, to go to an extreme gesture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the judgment is not good, or you can be free. You can free yourself. And I know it's very hard, and it can be a huge 
a huge decision to be made by someone mm. in that position. But find someone who um, who is not related to you. There are a lot of support, uh, like myself, like a um, um, counselor, like mm. uh, um, who can help. We are we are willing to help. That's our mission. That's our calling. And life. she and uh, under those circumstances, Miranda, she could share her story without judgment and without anybody. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not. Sometimes people are thinking, "Oh, it's too expensive. I can't afford." Uh, mm. It's not. I I don't. At least my philosophy is always share the the help and offer the help because if you hold that just for the sake of making money, that's not serving. That's not serving your purpose. So I'm absolutely 100% sure that like me are other practitioners who are willing to help. Yes. And just at the top of our chat, you made the point that there could be an awful lot of people out there in this position, they might be holding a torch for somebody that is just not available to them in some way, but that doesn't lessen how in love they are. Exactly. And another thing is, that lady um, it was mid-age, where the it's enough that we deal with menopause and perimenopause and where mm. our hormones are playing with us. So adding something else extra is such a burden on, on our on our body and on our health, uh, it, it's adding more and more when it, it is another way. Just a shift in the perspective and uh, picture yourself, whoever is in the situation, how would be to feel free? And it is yeah. possible. Yeah, and this woman is in her 50s, so I presume she, she could easily be menopausal. Um, exactly. And yeah. then everything uh, seems worse when we are in that period unfortunately but it's, it is uh, support is available mm. even speaking with her gp even speaking with someone who can who can listen and then advise uh, yes. but, far, but, yeah, but her grief I, needs to be acknowledged is what you're saying um, Smirana, absolutely, isn't it? yes absolutely yeah. and uh yeah, not not sharing with anyone is so big. And another simple, very simple tool, what you can use it for sharing, and it just you don't need to share with anyone in this case is journaling, because when you journal and you you write down your thoughts, now does this doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. It's just connecting to connecting your uh, left hemisphere of the brain and with the right hemisphere of the brain, and then. You see the problem in front of you, the, the situation, the thought. You, you write it down on the piece of paper, and then you can burn that paper. That's, really that's a very, very good piece of advice indeed. So write, write down your feelings, acknowledge them on, on the paper. and uh, Acknowledge yeah. them yourself. We yeah. have those tools in uh, so handy, so uh, cost-free. And yes. And is is that catharsis in some way? Then it's it's letting out the problem. Every single one of my clients are using the same word. It is healing, and it is uh, uh, so peaceful. It, it's hard for someone who never tried. It can be, oh my God, what I'm going. I'm not yes. a child to um, write what I did in the day. It's not about uh, logging the actions through the day. It's about dealing with an upsetting thought or dealing with. Uh, um, grief or dealing with something, a burden, 
what right. you can talk to anyone else then well, it's it's some great advice, Miranda, and we were delighted to, to have you on air this morning. Thank you so much, and thank you, and good morning to you. That's Miranda with her her take on that uh, letter to Phil yesterday. Edwina joins me now. Edwina, good morning to you. Hi, Fran, how are you? I'm very well indeed. We were really taken with your text to us uh, because you described what the lady is going through as complicated grief, Edwina. Yeah, um, com- there are many different types of grief, but... Um, Complicated grief, it has many faces, but in her sense, I think that she just feels that there's a small bit of um, what's kind of hidden grief, and that can make it this, the whole grieving process very complicated. Mm. And um, and how do you think she should go about healing her heart in some way? Yeah, um, well, I think, you know, the first thing, if the woman is, is listening, is that you know, she's not she's not on her own with this. I mean, there are many people who have a hidden grief of some type, mm. you know, that they feel that they're not able to grieve for something or someone. Um, and that can be, you know, it, it, it can be for many reasons. Um, and I think that she's, she's not on her own with it. Mm. Um, one of the most striking things I, I read in her letter was the fact that she felt overwhelmed. Um, and, you know, many people can feel overwhelmed at one point in their life and um, you know, for her, I think the most important thing to realise is that she can get past it, but she does need to talk to somebody about it. Did you, you know? did you get the feeling as well, Edwina, that there's more to the story and maybe even more to the grief? That, you know, she's in her 50s, she appears to be on her own. Um, she's dealing with this with great loneliness around her as well. So all these things are playing into maybe something even bigger, you know? It can, um, but you know, as I said to you, you know, grief is grief is a funny thing, and you know, it's not it's not linear. There's no set rules for it, and you know, the the hidden part of it is what's almost making um, the situation more overwhelming for her because she feels that she's not able to express uh, what she is feeling with anybody mm. um, for fear of judgment. Mm, and yeah. I, I looked at the comments on on the on the Facebook page mm. last night and. I just looked at it and I said to myself, sure, that's why you would never say to anyone, because of the fear of judgment. There, there was judgment, yeah. I mean, a lot of people were on about the fact that your man was happily married next door and stuff, but, you know, you can't choose who you love. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think that if people had, if if, if that word married had never uh, was never mentioned, I think that people, the narrative from people would be different. But, yes. you know, Fran, I always say that the people who are first to judge are the first to forget. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but you're you're right. It's interesting how quick people are to to jump to conclusions and uh, judgments and that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like in the history, you know, like when when somebody is in a situation that feels completely overwhelming, it can feel, you know, almost like this blackness is going to overcome you, and you know, like that they just don't see kind of a way out, and that can happen for many many different reasons. Mm. But everybody as as sure as night follows day, you know, like that everybody will go through this at some time. And I think that people are just, the ones that are first to judge are the first to forget that fact. And, uh, and you, you, you have experience of grief yourself, Edwina. Um, I mean, do will you eventually see some light at the end of the tunnel? You can, yeah. I mean, like as I said, grief is not something, um, I kind of, I've done a lot of work with, with um, people who are bereaved um, for many different reasons. Um, I'm a holistic therapist and I was also a volunteer for a bereavement support group. Yeah. 
Um, so, like, I do see, you know, that it's not something that ever goes away. Grief never, ever goes away. Mm. But it does lessen. And, you know, I think that where this woman is at at the moment is, is kind of, uh, she's feeling completely overwhelmed by this. And that's something that's really worrying when you listen, when you, you hear something like that, that they feel completely overwhelmed by this. And she does need to, to speak to somebody, you know. And, like, there are lots of, um, the lady was on before, the, you know, there are lots of options there for that lady. Um, and, like, she can talk to, you know, say the Samaritans or whatever, you know, in complete mm. confidence. Um, and, you know, she'll never be judged for how she feels. And how she feels yeah. is important. Because what worries me is that she may think that by the nature of her love, that it doesn't deserve uh, to be, that she doesn't yeah. deserve to be helped in some way, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's not true, friend. We know yeah. that's not true. Yeah. You know, we, we can't, nobody can help you know, how they feel, yeah. whether you know, whether it's about love or whether it's about fear or, or guilt or remorse or whatever. You know, they're, they're, nobody can help how they feel. Um, and certainly, like, her feelings are very, very valid. I mean, if she's, you know, she feels overwhelmed and, you know, I just really wish for that woman. I'm glad that she wrote the letter and I'm hoping that she can find the courage to, to make that phone call to somebody um, and, and, you know, just to to help her to, to to move past this because it can seem so overwhelming and you don't know where you're going uh, or what you're going to do. So I think it's just really important for her to pick up the phone. All right. Edwina, lovely to talk to you today and some lovely advice there as well. Thank you very much indeed. Good morning to you. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Did you know? Tip today. With Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Gormila Mahagapat, welcome along to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Just to remind you again, we'll be speaking to our gardener, Ulta Nisbet, uh, towards the end of the show. So if you have a gardening query, will you log it with us, please? 083 311 Now, the Tommy Tiernan Show. Well, viewers have praised Tipperary model Roz Purcell for dealing with probing questions about her eating disorder and the Tipperary native appeared on the show on Saturday night and impressed fans with her answers to difficult questions. Now, Tommy himself has been heavily criticised for his insistence on details that many thought unnecessary and inappropriate. Here's a little clip from that interview. But can you tell me, like, what are the practicalities of an eating disorder? Like, so you wake up in the morning and what? Um, your whole day revolves around food, what you're going to do to burn it off and what weight you're going to be every single day. So you couldn't really have proper relationships. You couldn't really, you know, have anything else that's going on in your life because everything just revolved around punishing your body to be a certain size. And obviously, look, it's going to be different for absolutely every, everyone. Yeah, but for your ones, can you t- talk to me specifics about food? So what would you have to eat? How would you burn it? What would you have to eat then? I don't know, is it a really do I add any value to the conversation by discussing that? Because there's going to be a lot of teenagers watching who might try to emulate that. Wow. Isn't that strange? Well, that's just how it happens, you know? So my only bit of 
you know, what I could say is that, like, I never, ever thought I could get over it, but I have. Tipperary's Roz Purcell speaking to Tommy Tiernan there. Now, our news editor and mental health advocate, uh, Sheila Nocton, joins me. Good morning to you, Sheila. Good morning. And really good to talk to you today. You've spoken to me in the past about your own experience of uh, an eating disorder. So you're well placed to comment on this, but you'll forgive me for telling this as I looked at your face while we played that clip and you were taken aback by it again, even though you've heard it before. Yeah, I felt, I feel discomfort. Yeah. Um, but that's as someone with an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose what I should say is I totally understand why he asked the questions that he asked. And I, I know why people are, I understand the commentary around him probing, but I get it. Because if you have never experienced an eating disorder and you have never watched someone experience one, you you really don't know what they go through. So you do ask those questions. Whereas I'm thinking my dad or mom would never ask someone those questions because they saw what I went through and they wouldn't like others to hear it or, as Roz says there, emulate it. But it is this thing of like, I don't get this. Please tell me how it works because I could never imagine being in that position. Yeah, so, so you're seeing it from both sides, I suppose. I, try, I tried to do that, Did yeah. she deal with it properly because she's being much applauded for it? Was that the proper way to deal with the question? Yes, yeah, so I, I have to say, I didn't watch it um, initially and on purpose because, and I'm sure, I, I, doubt, I doubt she's listening, but if anybody who even knew her or knew somebody else with an eating disorder was, the reason I didn't, and I'm sure people turned the radio off when they heard I was going to talk about this, is because you you can't get to a point where you have to protect yourself and I'm in a part of recovery where I'm very safe and I don't think I'm ever going to be a medical concern again but I'd like to protect myself from possible triggers. So I was worried when I heard that she would be discussing this or had discussed it, that maybe she did give details of what she had done. And then I, in my, my eating disorder voice, would kick in and say, give those a go. So you get to a point where you protect yourself from those conversations. But she dealt with it actually in the way that I would hope people mm. would in that, like, don't give details because those who are vulnerable absolutely will try and follow suit. When we first had a conversation uh, about this, I think I was kind of slipping down that road somewhere. And again, in the same fashion, you pulled me up and I didn't realise that maybe young girls in particular out there could emulate, like, the information. Yeah, so people would often, and I say, look, in private, friends have asked me and, and I might in private tell them if I think that they might, that they're safe to tell, you know, for them. Yes. Um, but yes, and I, it's the same as someone saying, "And what was your lowest weight?" And I get the reason someone might want to know that because they almost want the shock of of what that is. But if I say that, then you've some boy or girl listening going, "So that's the weight to be sick enough. So that's the weight I have to get to. That's the target." So I always set targets for myself based on arbitrary things I heard. So there was a the movie that came out back when I was getting sick and in it they put it was a really irresponsible film about eating disorders and they put details in of what girls do and I did every single one of them and yes it sounds a bit wow. perverse and a bit wrong but you're so you so want to be validated that what you're doing is right that you'd start to do those things and and it would be even silly things like you know if, if someone says I've heard that that food might make you bigger that food might make the I'd, right that's off the that's off the menu and it's that black and white so right. even though your journalist mind would teach you to question everything but when you 
speak about that area of your mind that uh, that has a, an eating disorder, you, you'll go along with even the most odd uh, ab- things. So, the most, so when I was in hospital, I remember girls would... They we uh, also it's very individual. So as Roz actually says, it's different for everyone, and it is. So the thing is, I will have dif- have behaviours. I call them. So I will have behaviours that lots of others wouldn't. And then when they put us all into one ward in a hospital, I was looking at girls who had other behaviours, and I started to do theirs because I learned them. Um. So imagine if I say that, then people have learned a new behaviour that they didn't know about, and part of you would. I know it sounds, you'd love to tell people the absolute horrible details of it so they know how awful this illness is. But if you do that, you, you risk other people's health. I, I met my friend uh, Murish Walsh in the shopping centre a couple of days ago. He was absolutely appalled at Tommy Tiernan's questioning, line of questioning indeed. But he made an interesting analogy. And he was saying that it's the same with an alcoholic. They don't want to just know you're an alcoholic, but how many bottles a day did you drink? How low did you get? The, people are, have that natural curiosity. I often say they want the sound bite and uh, they want the shock. Like there was things I abused, there was things I took, there was things I did and if I told people the extent to them, which my family had to watch me do because I would do it just very blatantly, like I I think people would be shocked. But like that why am I telling them? Why am am I telling them to shock them and for them to get that sound bite and also, if I'm telling people, it's the ones who are shocked are the ones who've never experienced it, or the ones who aren't shocked are the ones who are sitting at home and have experience of it or want to emulate it. So you have to think about who you need to protect when you're the one who's speaking about it. And, and I understand people being annoyed with Tommy for for keeping pressing, mm. but as I said, I do understand because you, if you've never met someone who has one, you don't know what to say and what not to say. Like my family had to learn how to. Dad says, he'd always say it, God, we were on eggshells for the first year. And you are on eggshells. But you have to learn how not to be. Mm. It's, it's so tough. You also told me that for a while you, you stopped following Roz uh, on social media. Um, and w- was that the same reason again, that you were afraid of a trigger of some kind? Yeah, yes. And I'm aware, I've had people, you know, also say to me, friends. So, for example, my sister doesn't follow me online. Um, she finds it too hard because I write about my eating disorder mm. online she finds it really hard to accept that I went through that and also still do um, she says that's too hard for her so she unfollowed me I have friends who at certain points might be having issues with their body image and they'll say I've muted you or I've I've unfollowed you it's not a personal thing and it's not it's yes. they need to protect themselves so I just felt there was a while where, you know, if there was being recipes being put up or there was things about maybe hiking and stuff, which is so positive. But I was at a place where I was being told, you know, you're not allowed to exercise. You're not allowed to do this for your recovery. So it was really hard to watch someone else be able to do that. So I, I had to unfollow. But it's protecting yourself. It's never a reflection of Of, of course, person, yes, yeah. of course. Can you see a common denominator between yourself and Roz, for example, from what you've heard her say and what you've read uh, from her as well? Do you see similarities there in terms? There was something she said, yes. And, and I think any eating disorder, so uh, she actually mentioned she had lots of different diagnoses. So did I. And I don't fall into one category. Like, I kind of had all, all of them. Um, and she said... Can you just explain that to me now, Sheila? Yes. Yeah, D- so different diagnoses. 
they couldn't put a label on me at first, right. which I remember bothered me as well. So that's what pushed me to end up with anorexia because I thought I'm not fitting into a category here. So I need to be small enough to be that. But I also like through college had orthorexia, which is an obsession with kind of clean eating and health. Like I, I wouldn't put anything into my body, you know, that I, I thought was bad. So whatever whatever I deemed bad wouldn't go in then it went to you know fixations on say exercise so that's a different type of one and then I remember their confusion was they said oh you do traits of bulimia and anorexia and and I thought okay yeah so so why do I have to be one of those so you know so they try to box you into one but then when you do traits of another it confuses the professionals which is why I sometimes right. think there shouldn't be those labels but yeah because I was going to say surely you could have multiple issues <laughs> yes I, mean. I think that was something when when Roz said it it was the first time I thought yeah there's so many of us who have so many different traits of things and I, and I think that's the problem mm. and it's why people sometimes don't feel sick enough but the thing she said that really got me was he asked her um you know, what was it like to, to kind of come away from it, like to, to go into recovery? And she said that she felt like she was she was kind of losing something. And he said, oh, the modelling. And she said, no, like the eating disorder. And I'd love to explain that because it was something my parents struggled with. So as I was getting, you know, maybe more weight restored or better and things were improving, I felt so sad and I felt awful and I felt like I was failing at anorexia. That's what I used to say. I was like, I'm failing at this. The one thing I was good at was having this eating disorder. The one thing I was good at was was having this part of me. And suddenly all these people who were, you know, all this therapy was, was taking that away from me. Like actually taking this part, thing that becomes so central to your life and they're saying you can't have that anymore. The way to describe it is... You know, the player who gets injured, you say, right, no training for three months. Can't do it. And they're like, but that's part of me. I, what do I do if I don't do that? So it was the same thing of like, if I don't have this, if I'm not the smallest in the room, if I'm not the girl with the eating disorder, what am I? And you actually have to figure out what you are without that. So when she described that of like losing it, I, I remember feeling so sad. I called her Janine and I was like, she's gone. So what do I? So you have to refigure really out who you are without that. It's really hard. And have you that figured out? Yeah, yes, more so now. Yeah. I actually think that for years, I, uh, and it's a conversation I regularly have with my parents. I think for years, I what I really wasn't sure who I was, yeah. and the way that others would have described me was probably not how I would have described myself. So what I was putting out there was possibly what the mask of the eating disorder, um, what that wanted me to show, and yeah, it. It's brilliant. I mean, you know yourself better than people twice your age, but it's really, really hard along the way. Was that a useful uh, TV interview to have just by way of triggering conversation around eating disorder, do you think? Or was it voyeuristic in some way? How, how, even the conversation we're having now, is, is this useful, do you, do you think? Shana? I think it's really useful to discuss it when you discuss um, the the overwhelming impact and kind of grip that it can have in your life because so often it turns into what that interview could have turned into of like just give us the details give us the gory stuff and what you want to see is that how this person is is trying to overcome that and she really she really did show that she she made a really good point of like I never thought I could get better and I always say that to people I there was a time I remember writing in a journal saying I will never get over this 
And to look back at that now, I'm like, I can't believe I thought that. So those are really useful. And it's also, can I just say, useful to have conversations about eating disorders outside of Eating Disorder Awareness Week, which is coming up in March. But I, I'm always like, oh, great. We're discussing this as a, as a topic just randomly. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't it brilliant? I saw you recently on TV on Eating with the Enemy. Mm. And when I saw you were, who you were going to have your, your <laughs> meal with, I said, oh, my sweet God. And it was Dr. Eva, who many of us would know from Operation Transformation yeah. and all of that kind of thing, which is a programme I detest, by the way. Me too. Um, how did you feel? It, it, tell me about the choreography of that. You didn't know you were going to be talking to her, did no. you? No. Um, yeah, that was it was overwhelming, but it, I mean, it has turned out to be a hugely positive thing. But yes, so they contacted me um, and asked me would I do it. But they ask you in that conversation, who's your opposite? And I kind of thought, me, with a lived experience of a mental health issue, like who is my opposite? Like who's going to disagree with me telling you what it's like to have an eating disorder? But suddenly I thought, do you know who I don't agree with is Dr. Eva. And I told them that and I said, but don't get her. I, I don't I don't want to talk to her. And they said, yeah, OK, no problem. And so then we went to the situation and they put you sitting down and they don't let you meet them. And she walked in. And I think you even see it in the show. They sh- That moment where they show my face, that is the first Shock. time I saw her. And I just remember my stomach went, oh, God, because I had said to myself going into it, stay calm and, you know, hear this person out. And this will be a really positive thing. But like you say, my gut thing was, how can I talk to this woman? But it worked out like a wonderful conversation. I think it, I think it was positive for both of us. Mm-hmm. I came out feeling really good about um, myself and she did too. And she, we actually had had a very warm conversation, I think. And, and even afterwards, before the show came along, like we sent each other a message. And I remember the, the show afterwards, they check in with you and they were like, they thought that was unusual. But I said, no, because we really had a deep, conversation so we did connect in a way that sometimes you mightn't with a stranger I'm always a bit suspicious of, of television and uh, I'm suspicious of the Tommy Tiernan show because I know that it wasn't live and edited so mm. you know that's a whole other story should they have left it out in the first place but I, I really got that she was listening to you on a whole other level and she was being informed which is always a great sign in a conversation you know. Yeah and, and I did I actually said it I felt listened to and so often when you are someone who has a mental health problem you actually aren't listened to you really aren't because people make decisions for you based on what they think your mental capacity is so uh, she really listened she asked questions that would help to educate someone and Mm. a lot of the commentary online was like how has someone in her field never met someone with with anorexia Mm. like how has she not but I, I was kind of making the point that but I'd never go to her because I know that what she deals with is weight loss. I know that's not what I need. I've heard her say very blunt statements in, mm. in public, you know, the weighing children and stuff. So I would be allergic to going to somebody like that. So, so yes, it's very likely people in my position would absolutely never have engaged with her. And she did say that as she goes forward, she'll consider that because my fear would be, yes, you're dealing with someone who's looking to lose weight. But what if you push to the point that they end up like me, which does regularly happen, and it's never enough and they keep going and going and going and end up the opposite end of, of the spectrum. I'm always conscious, uh, Sheila, that there's people listening to us and probably maybe parents with a, a daughter or indeed a son with, with issues like this. Your advice to them would be what? My first advice to, if you're going through it, um, is that you you have to be able to step away from the person. So when I was very sick, I was really hard to live with. I know I was. All I could do was talk and think about my eating disorder. So it's okay to not be with them all of the time and say to them that you need space. But you also have to know that you can't fix them, which is awful. My dad was told 
if she wants to die, you can't stop her. Wow. And it's horrendous, but that's the reality of it. So the person has to, it's like the alcoholic, they have to want to do it themselves. But what you can do is you can bring them to their appointments. You can support them. If they need to cry at you, you can just let them. You don't, don't fix it, but just listen. And if you're the person who's going through it and you do happen to still be listening at this point, I would say that you are justified at getting help at any point. Like you don't have to be a certain level of sickness. You can even just be having really bad body image and not want to wear some of your nice clothes mm. and, and get help. So like, and there is support out there. I know it's, it's hard to get, but I would say it's to make them move quicker rather than later a lot of parents will say what if this is a phase brilliant brilliant if it's a phase but don't take the chance get the help and then find out if it's a phase Sheila it's always good to talk to you thanks very much Thank you. really appreciate it 1800-938-007 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecan the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Oh, you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Lots and lots of uh, messages coming in to congratulate uh, Sheila on what uh, most people describing there as a very courageous uh, interview and we were very, very uh, thankful to Sheila for, for joining us for that this morning and being so open and uh, kind to us as well. Now, I'd like to be joined in the studio by uh, two men, historian and author Tom Hennessy is with me and Pat Boyce. And Pat is a, a grand nephew of uh, Paddy McDonough, who was a commandant in the IRA during the Civil War and now the 100-year anniversary of his death is taking place this weekend and uh, there is a commemoration in St. Michael's Graveyard in Tipperary Town at 2pm on a Saturday and you're both very welcome and thank you indeed for, for coming into us uh, today. Can I start with you Tom if you would because we spoke on the show last week about uh, the concerns that many groups have about what they see as the destruction of our hedgerows right across, across the country and indeed a protest on the issue took place in Dublin last week but you made the point to us that the role of the hedgerows played during the War of Independence and the Civil War was very, very important. Yeah, uh, just to... The, uh, that actual protest is on today. Uh, I'd just like to say hello to everyone heading up to Dublin there. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it myself. But, um, yeah, like, I suppose... The, I've, I've heard the, the hedgerows described as Ireland's rainforest. Um, but I suppose from my end of it, the history end of it, um, like, I suppose they were such an integral part of... Uh, the flying columns, um, without the hedgerows and the double ditches, uh, the mass paths, the hollowways, all the, the, the hidden paths, um, the IRA would not have been able to pursue their guerrilla war. Um, and I suppose you, you you kind of, when you... I've been doing a lot of research on it. We had our Sean Hogan march last mm. year. And it's when you visit um, these boreens and you're going to a safe house, and often the safe houses now, most of them, thank God, are still there, but often they're well in off the road and you're going on these old boreens. And um, thankfully, there's a lot of them still there, but I think it's so important. It's so important. There has been a lot of them destroyed, Fran. Mm. And it's very important that um, I think now, especially like you have that protest today, um, it seems to have gone that, like, whether it's kind of ranch farming or maybe 
uh, I know f- uh, farming has intensified in the last mm. 20 years and it's all about, um, it's a business obviously, but maybe um, the council maybe have a role to play in this. I know that farmers now have to keep their hedges in off the road, but I think it's gone a bit too far, Fran. And I've seen situations, very sad situations, where uh, ancient um, safe house boreens have been just, you know, decimated. Mm. And and tell me about the role that they played, the hedgerows and the double ditches. And all that. It, it was protection, it, it was, I yeah, suppose, so, to hide them away from the yeah, enemy. So you're well. talking about, like, um, you're, you're talking about basically 25, 30 men armed... Um, and making their way across the countryside and you've guerrilla warfare basically so you need to use your landscape it's the landscape of revolution mm. and uh, they need obviously they needed to move unnoticed because not everyone was on their side mm. and um, they had their safe houses and they had their safe house areas which were usually together and you had your Glen of Aherlow and you had your Ballyluby not Graffin area but Without the without the hidden paths, and remember, like there's nobody knows an area better than the local. Like, mm. so you had your your British Army, um, say in, in the likes of Care, uh, you had them three miles uh, away from where say Sean Hogan's first march took place. But what happened that day was uh, they were obviously spotted by um, a person unsympathetic to the Republican cause. They cycled into the, the barracks and a raid took place at Fitzgerald's, uh, which was their first march. And they actually had Dan Breen with them that day as well. So it could have been a disaster. But we had Tommy Ryan then um, being able to, and M- Morris McGrath, uh, lucky they had the, sp- the scouts uh, position in the right location. They spotted the tans coming across the fields. But um, like say, I've done a video there now on my, my TikTok and my um, uh, uh, Twitter account and you can still see the path that the lads escaped like and that boreen is still there and they were able to get away but like that's what the importance of the boreens yes, were to them of course, and, yeah. the lo- and, the, and the local knowledge and, the, and like these hidden ways are thousands of years old like I know Mankin McGann has written, his last book is brilliant there mm. at Christmas time Um do you know what's so important? And, w- and is there any protection at all on, 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 on these boreens and hedgerows? Is there, is yeah. there anything so, on So there? I know um, I've, I've approached a, a, a couple of councillors and I've, I've mentioned it to them and I heard yesterday, um, I heard on Tip FM that there's, a gra- there, there's money now being provided and yes. they actually mentioned boreens, mm. I think, in that. So hopefully now, Fran, maybe um, the people that have gone to Dublin um, to protest today, Hedgerow Ireland, I think it is. Yes, yeah, it I, is. I, but I, that, that's largely environmental, I suppose, Tom, as yeah. opposed to historical. Is well, it? Is they've actually, I looked up their website last night and they actually do mention um, that they're, you know, the, the culture. Aspect. They do, yeah, they do in yeah. fairness to them, which is great, like, you know. Yeah. But, um, like, this is our culture, Fran. Um, I mean, there's, a, there's definitely, tourism-wise, the potential, you're talking about the greenways, like... Um, I would call these like boreens, boreens of revolution, like, and I mean, yeah. a, a place like Clahean, which is surrounded by uh, so much. I took a picture there of a double ditch. I put it up on Twitter there the other day, and it's just it's beautiful. If you look at the picture and you can see how hidden it is, the double ditch is still there, and you know, we yes. know like that the lads marched up there, and I mean. You of know, course. you'd imagine someone from America or Germany or around Newcastle as well with the Liam Lynch story oh, and all, all f- of that. Full yeah. of them, yeah. full, full of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, um, Pat Boyce is with us as well. Pat is a grand nephew of Paddy McDonald, commandant Paddy McDonald. Would you would you tell me a little bit about uh, Paddy to begin with, Pat? Uh, Paddy was born and, and reared in Lisfernan, and uh, he went to school in Tipperary, uh, the monastery there, and then he went to university in Dublin. Got a 
achieved a BA degree. And then when the War of Independence started, he joined the IRA in the, around about 19, 2000, or sorry, 1919. Fought on the, against the Tens, involved in a lot of action there. Mm. And he rose to the rank of, he was one of uh, Dini Lacey's vice commandants. And um, when the Civil War started then, he, he linked up with the Republicans and Dini Lacey. Mm. And uh, he was shot. He was, uh, Dini Lacey and himself and, he, and Dini Lacey's column were billeted in Burns of Ashgrove and Rhines of Clohara. And Dini Lacey and Paddy McDonough came under attack. And Dini Lacey was shot and badly wounded. Or sorry, Paddy McDonough was shot and badly wounded. Mm. And Dini Lacey and Paddy Dalton made escape down the field. And shortly after that, then Dini Lacey was shot, dead, mm. by the Free Staters. And uh, Paddy then was, he was badly wounded. He ended up in hospital, didn't he? In uh... Uh, Paddy McDonough was very badly wounded and he ended up in a... Uh, he, he was very badly treated, to be honest with you, by the mm. Free State. He was brought into St. Vincent's Military Hospital in Tipperary. Mm. And uh, when his mother and father, sorry, when his, when his father and his sister went in the following morning to see him, see how he was, he was still in the ambulance. They could see the blood flowing out of the ambulance. My God. And there he bled to death. He got absolutely no treatment from the Free State. So he needn't so, have died as oh, much he, as he I he needn't have died. Yeah. And at the same time, during that ambush, when he was wounded, the Free State soldiers stopped the train going to Limerick at Capigates, which is only over the road, yeah. and brought their own wounded to the hospital in Limerick and let poor Paddy bleed to death inside in Tipperary. My God, that must have caused an awful lot of bitterness in the area, did it? Well, I suppose it did in a way, but that's what happened. You see, during that time, Fran, the, the, the government were after bringing draconian laws against Republicans. Mm, yeah. They, they, they said they brought in laws, W.T. Cosgrave uh, and company, that Republicans couldn't be called Republicans anymore. They, were, they had to be called irregulars. And there were a lot of prisoners taken out and executed, four from above in Ras Grey, in Tipperary. Mm. And Republicans were tied to landmines down in Kerry and blown to bits. That's right, let's see. In Belly Seedy. One, one of the most infamous happenings one of the, most infamous of the Civil War. Uh, yeah. uh, the Civil War, at, at the time that Paddy was killed, uh, was wounded and then died subsequently, it, it was grinding to a close at that point, wasn't it? It was winding down. At that, that, that would have been in February. You had Liam Lynch uh, died in April. Yeah. So it was winding down, really. Dinny Lacey and his column were, were inveigled, I would say, the right word, into the Glenavahara for mm. supposed to be peace talks. Yeah. And then they were surrounded by General Prout and a thousand men. They had no chance. It was a set-up to, to wipe them out mm. by the Free State, in my, in my estimation. Yeah. And, and and that area in, in the Glenavar, I think there's only a very small plaque there, isn't there? I mean, isn't, yeah, yeah. isn't it a wonder <clears throat> that, that that's not made so much more of? Because as I say, it was towards the end of the Civil War. It was pivotal, I suppose, at that yeah. time, wasn't it? Like the, the Glenavar, what a place like um, Geoffrey Keaton, the famous priest that saved the history of Ireland, hid out there for years. Uh, the people there, just whatever's in the area, they 
proud of their culture and uh, massive support. Dinny Lacey's column, um, it was basically their main area of, you know, they were in and out of the Glen. Mm. There was a pathway there from uh, JJ Miles Finn in the famous Fenian Poet's house uh, from Liz Fernand. Um, his house at the other, is at the other side of Sleeve the Muck. I visited there with um, Pat. Um, <clears throat> there, what history, like a Fenian, JJ Miles Finnan. And again, the same area um, was able to harbour the flying columns, which you you think about, Fran, thir- 20 or 30 men arriving into uh, usually a, a little farm farmhouse in along Boreen. Um, if they're caught there under arms, the column might be able to escape, but the farmhouse is still there. So you had reprisals, you had houses burnt. If they're caught under arms, like... You know, it was known that people were executed, uh, families dragged out, terrible times, like, you know, but the risks, like, the coming the on women, uh, the women of the safe houses took huge. And, um, like, the flying columns were in the field and they were mobile. It was guerrilla warfare, mm. but the people in the safe houses, they had nowhere to go. And they were just, uh, they were a target on their backs and they were raided regularly, but it's like the, with, that first, with that first march with Sean Hogan, um, mm. We, it's not handed down what happened, but if the boys had been caught in the kitchen or seen in the yard, you know, My it God. would have been tragedy. Pat, why wasn't uh, why wasn't Paddy McDonough um, acknowledged in the same way as his contemporaries? You know, whether it was Lacey and Breen, indeed, who he was with as well. Why? Why do you think he was? I, I don't know. Because he was an educated man. Yeah, I don't know he? that. I don't know yeah. that. But um, also. Uh, that Paddy McDonough and Dinny Lacey died on the 17th, 18th of February. On the 1st of April, a couple of six weeks after that, there was another man shot in Lisfernay, another IRA soldier, Jerry Kiley, shot coming out of Paddy McDonough's house, the house I was born, born in. And a fortnight after that, Paddy McDonough's two sisters were arrested and brought to jail in Limerick, Judah and Marion, to jail in Limerick and from there to Kilmainham. So they got rough justice from the free state. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'd love to know your response to that. Why Why wouldn't Paddy be a household name like, like some of the others, do you, do you think, Tom? Oh, definitely. Uh, they don't want to discuss, like, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Is that it, because of the manner of his death, <clears throat> do you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we had a commemoration there in my glass. Uh, Seamus Hayes, uh, unarmed, shot in the back by a soldier from Care. You know, there was an awful... Again, wouldn't be a household name. Wouldn't be a household name. Yeah. And, and But what I've seen in the last two years is it's the communities that are marking and the likes of uh, Pat's organisation. Um, they're the people that are remembering these people. Like, I mean, is Dinny Lacey even spoken about in the classrooms, even in Tipperary? Like, no. You know... No, I can tell you he's not. Uh, Dan Breen, like, you know... Um, I suppose it, a lot of it, if it doesn't come, if it's not spoken about in the house, um, if the music isn't promoted, like I know that someone made a statement there, the the, um, the Irish soccer team were singing a song, like a cultural song again, like, and, uh, you know, you, you have to remember that, you know, what, what our country has come through, like, you this know. This is the women's soccer team yeah. who got into trouble for that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yes, Pat, yeah. But there's just one other thing that, uh, this is, I believe this now, that... Uh, there's there's a there's a kind of a narrative out there now to commemorate the civil war. Sure, atrocities happened on both sides mm-hmm. and lump them all in together. Mm-hmm. But we can't lose fact, sight of the fact that the Free State were the army of the the, the government. Mm-hmm. They were armed. 
to be honest, that you buy Churchill. They were wearing new from. They were getting. They were well paid, whereas the the Paddy McDonalds and the Dinny Laces of their time were getting nothing. They were volunteers. Yes, and it's impossible to compare the deeds of the Free State Army, tying men to landmines and blowing them up, taking out unconvicted prisoners, putting them up against the wall and shooting them. You can't lump, the, lump them in with, uh, yeah, with anything the Republican struggle did. Is that bitterness still there to to a large degree, do you think? Well, I don't know, is it now, but uh, a lot of people would be bitter because, of course, Fianna Fáil now and Fianna Gael, I don't want to get into any politics, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are in government now together. Mm. So it suits them, both of them, yes. to gloss the whole thing over. Right, uh, even though I was talking to Jackie Cahill the other day and he was at pains to use the Republican byline I'm glad to hear that. But, yeah, but I'm not sure how Michal Martin would, would feel about that. That What you're saying to me brings me around to something else, though, and I'd love your both of your opinions on this. How do you think the, the, the years of commemoration worked out? Were they... Was it coped with well? Can Tom? I just say one thing before I forget, Fran? You're talking about the treaty there. If you've actually... If you ever... I think everyone should read that treaty, what they were asking men like Dinny Lacey, uh, Paddy McDonough to accept. Mm. Um, and and I had this conversation with a few historians and, you know, it, allegiance to a foreign yes. king. And Dinny Lacey, who had spent the previous... And not treat- many people are aware that that was part of the treaty. And and to me, and there's a, there's a lot of other points that were terrible, like uh, they, they, we still had to pay rent and... Whatever we didn't have reports, or we were agreeing to this and that, but mm. like for for men that lay in ditches for five and six hours, soaked to the skin, uh, saw their comrades shot, um, tortured, basically, for the, to asking them to agree to a treaty mm. where they were swearing allegiance to a foreign mm. king. To me, now the pro-treaty people would say to you, "Yeah, that's all fine," but this was just a stepping stone towards a, a united Ireland. Now I know a hundred years on, there you are, but. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? That would be their argument to you. What would you say to that? Um, I'd say if you read the 1916 proclamation, which mm. I think is the blueprint for our country, um, and if you're wondering what Pierce and Tom Clark would think, I'd say, you know, just read the proclamation. Yes. You know, and uh, that uh, uh, What about my question to you about the commemor- the the decade of commemoration? How do you feel about that? Um, I've, as I say, it's the com- it's communities like the Seamus Hayes, um, Matty Tyne right. and Mike Glass. But n- not the national effort, uh, not, not the big media effort from Dublin. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no. definitely not. Right. No, no. Like, you know, we we we've seen uh, we've seen you called the uh, Republican Party there standing in Enniskillen with with foreign symbols on them. You know, mm. um, you know these men like uh, that fought over hills and glens. Like uh, you know that symbol is symbolising colonialism. You know, mm. the, I'm talking about the poppy there. Yeah, the decade of commemoration, Pat. Would how do you think? Well, would you say that it was the local element that got it right? Is that is that what well, you say? Well, number one, we have a an association going, the Tipperary Irish Republican Commemoration Association, and we're going for years. We commemorate these men every year on their anniversary, not just on the 100th anniversary. That is why we are having the commemoration this year, making a big event for Dinny Lacey and Paddy McDonough on Saturday. But, uh, sure, like, there was no real... Like the National Graves Association have done a good job in commemorating, but the government have done nothing. Mm. 
Nothing at all. Should, as a, on a different t- topic altogether, should they try to build a wall above in Glasnevin and mm. they wanted the, the names of the black and tans put on it? Yeah. You know, so that says it all. And for those that might say, you know, that's all fine and very well, but it's time to look at it. Uh, from a distance and look at both sides of what would your well, well, I would say let them look at it from a distance if they like they're welcome to do that right but uh, you see what people don't realise to a big degree is you hit it, the nail in the head there yourself is that the civil war was fought over the oath of allegiance mm. not over the north of Ireland over the border or anything that was the reason the civil war was fought and you can move that further we left the right after that but like it's very hard to see men that fought and died in the ditches for this mm. uh, being compared to soldiers of the, of the free state yeah and in the case of the black and tan soldiers uh, of black, fortune of, that's actually l- l- yes exactly who, who, who came to and, this and, and sorry and the, the national so. army were paid um, and y- y- we know like that they were backed by the British government like and were, the money was, was piled into um, they were fighting in in uh, British army died British Army uh, clothes, their British Army guns. Um, so basically, it suited the British to for for the for the civil war to happen, like you know. Mm. And it was principles, basically. Like your Denny Lacey and your Paddy McDonough were never going to. They were principled men, and to me, that was the biggest difference, you know. And as I say, they totally believed in the 1916 proclamation, and um, that's mm. you know. You you hinted at a question, and I'd like you to to fill it out a bit more for me, which is. What would the likes of Paddy McDonough and Breen and um, Lacey and uh, Liam Lynch, what would they think of where we are now politically, for example, where our sovereignty seems to be mm. sort of given away, to say the least? Yeah. yeah. Um, as I say, I, I still go back to the blueprint for Ireland, which is the proclamation. And that is a, it's a beautiful document. Mm. It's so well written and it's cherishing it everyone, yes. but it's for the Irish nation. There's no, you know, I know it was written before Europe was ever thought of, but um, like, I'd worry there now, we see that this war that's going on in Europe, and um, I find it hard to, to understand how, we, you know, people can be so you know, we seem, to, Europe seemed to be backing the whole thing, like, you know. Yes. As and, you, and I think, you con- are you concerned about our neutrality, for example? Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, totally, yeah. like, we're a neutral country. Yes, like, um, yes Pat. There's just one thing on that issue now that you said, well, what would uh, these men... Oh, no one can speak for the dead, and I certainly wouldn't try to speak for any of them or put words in their mouth, but it's hard to see men that were willing to die in the ditches over the oath of allegiance and give their lives f- on account of that, signing up to, for example, we signed away Article 2 and 3 of our Constitution. Mm. So right. there'll be people standing at commemoration saying, oh, if... If these men were alive today, there'd be a instalment. I doubt it. Right. I doubt it. But the signing away of that, you know, the argument against that would be we probably wouldn't have the Good Friday Agreement and we, we mightn't have peace, you know? Well, we have peace uh, for the time being anyway. Right. I don't know how long that'll last. Sure. The, the, the Good Friday Agreement instalment isn't working. We were told it could only be scrapped for a week and now they're after cancelling for a year. Yes. Anyway, that's I don't get into that at all, but... Yeah. Uh, and do you? I mean, you say you don't get into that, but I mean, you're very conscious of what's going on. Of course, I'm conscious of what's going on. Of course, I'm conscious of what's going on. I, I think the whole thing was a sellout. Do you? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, Tom, what, what about your thoughts on that sellout? Look, I, I, I suppose you know, um, it's 
British interference in Ireland, basically. And um, I, I was at a commemoration, and uh, uh, the great Tim Horgan, and uh, like he said, there's 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 men in in jails, in British jails in the north today, like, and uh, they wouldn't be up there probably only for you know our country mm. was interfered with for generations, like you know. Mm. Um, if not, I, I read a book before Christmas. For the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. But really, it was re-looking at the history of colonialism mm. and imperialism oh, yeah. and saying that this was actually a good thing for these countries. Yeah, you it's, know, it's shocking. Was, um, um, and uh, I know Aim Nocuive there in November and it didn't get much media either, but um, uh, he basically meant, he called it barbaric, the treatment that uh, the Republican prisoners were getting in the North. Like So, mm. you know, um, as you say, uh, colonialism, um, imperialism, it wasn't good for our country you yeah, know? yeah. Okay. ever and most people will say not for other countries as well but yeah. again there's revisionism going on all the time but it, so just one, sorry, yeah, yes, board, sorry for buttoning you, you know, not at all but not I just want to emphasise that our group holding the commemoration to Paddy McDonough and Dean Lester we're non-party we're non-political mm-hmm. everyone is everybody, every, is, everybody welcome. is welcome but I must emphasise that we are a republican group and we make no apologies for that. All right, okay. So That's it's happening this coming Saturday. And That's right, It's at yeah. 2 o'clock in St. Michael's, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's it is. And uh, as you say, Pat, everybody Everybody is welcome. Yeah. Everybody is welcome. Paddy Cohn there, the Rebel Heart, is going to play. Um, is he? Yeah, oh, yeah. Brilliant. So it'll be, be a, nice, a nice day. And uh, hopefully, the weather, I think the weather's to be good as well. So. Right, excellent. Well, it um, is great to talk to you both. And most interestingly, Gurmila Mahagat uh, to Pat and uh, to Tom. Nils is on right. the way. Thanks for Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Two Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle... Call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on, on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Good to uh, Pats, and welcome back to the final uh, hour of tip today. You know, if you believe that there still isn't a shadow uh, from the Civil War hanging over us, um, <laughs> it's quite evident here in what's uh, in front of me because very much polar opposite views on that conversation I had with uh, Tom and Pat. The only one to take exception to is into us from Austin, who's uh, tuned our way in the United Kingdom. And he says, uh, no mention of the thousands of lives saved by the Good Friday Agreement and nothing challenged. Um, I beg to differ with you on that. I mean, when Pat brought up uh, the issue of the Constitution being saved, I made that very point that, I mean, that was instrumental in uh, the Good Friday Agreement and, you know, all the lives that were saved uh, because of that. Uh, agreement, and then uh, Pat went on to say, "Well, that's all fine and very well, but he, he well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing him here, but he said it was was vulnerable to say the least. But it certainly was brought up the importance of of that. Anyway, eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven. We're with you every single weekday morning from nine, and this morning just after nine, proprietor of the Manila Hotel, John Nallen, spoke to me about uh, how his gas price tripled." After he found himself out of contract, he says that nothing is being done to support family businesses. Here's just a little of what he had to say to me just after nine o'clock this morning. I, I, if I closed my door in January and turned off the gas, I, I, I'd be a lot better off than I am now. It's it's that bad. You know, like it, it's just crazy. But like, I mean, uh, like the, the, the whole thing is just like there's a will in the country to just shaft medium-sized business. All you got to do is look around, come all the family businesses that have gone. People just can't stick it anymore. 
They just want they just want multinational retail, multinational everything, and and nothing else. It's, uh, it's just it's gone crazy, like. Um. Yeah, that's that's very damning, John. And and what about the voice of the hotel industry of businesses like your own? I mean, have you have you any clout in government circles? Well, don't see that. You see, like, okay, the voice of the hotel industry is is is, is critical, and the man there is, is boxing politically all the time. And a lot of his members, you see, the, the voice of the hotel industry is based on the size of the hotel, and an awful lot of the bigger hotels are these these corporate conglomerates that are just. That, that the man doesn't mind. Like, a man running a family business is, is a different beast to a person running a, run a, a business for a conglomerate. Mm. You know, you, 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 you go down, it's like being on the Titanic, you go down with the ship when you run the family business, you know? Fellow run, fella running a, a corporate business, he doesn't care, he works his nine to five or he works his eight, he goes out there, he says, good luck and thanks. I mean, we were there for 60 years, we're trying to keep the thing going for the next generation. You know, it's different psychic. But like, they don't understand that at all. The, the bureaucracy in this country doesn't understand, like, when you, your family business, you want to ring somebody, you're available 24-7. You're dealing with a conglomerate, you get onto a, somebody in India maybe, you know? And that's John Nellan, proprietor of the Manila Hotel, speaking to me uh, this morning. 083 Now it's time for the Gardaí to bring us up to speed on what's been happening around the county. I'm glad to be joined by Carol O'Leary, who's sergeant in charge of Care Garda Station. Carol, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Good to talk to you today. Can we begin with uh, the Thurlis area, Carol, and that test purchasing operation? Will you tell me about that? Yes, they, up in Thurlis, they did a few test purchasing operations where basically people were sent in to see if alcohol was being sold to underage people and to teenagers. And unfortunately, two of the premises did sell alcohol to teenagers, which it highlights that teenagers are going to try anything to get drink mm. if they're that way inclined. We're cognizant of the fact that it's midterm break. And obviously they have a lot more time on their hands for the secondary school students. So it's something that Thurlis would like to raise awareness across the county that it's something that if you're in a publican or a licensed premises or an off-license or even the shops now that have them, any of the, you know, the main shops around yes. the place, just to be aware of it. And test purchases will continue throughout Thurlis and throughout the county. Right, so it's important to point out that this will continue on so people will want to shape up, I suppose, Carol. <laughs> There, it's something, yeah. and again, young people, especially the way they're presenting now at this stage, you could look at, particularly girls, I'd find, they might look 18, 19, 20. Sure. Yeah. The checks are simple. You know, the Garda age card, the Garda ID card, as it's known, is the only proper, acceptable form of identification for them. And if people are asked for it, they won't be offended if they're over 18. You'd be quite complimented. I would be right. certainly anyway this is. Can we go to the reminder then from uh, Thurlis Garda Station about dogs? Yes, it's something that's in the news a lot yeah. at the moment in relation to dogs. And just reminding people that if you have a dog on the restricted breed list, they must have a muzzle on the dog, a strong lead, no more than two metres, a metal disc with their name and phone number on it, and the person, most importantly, must be able to have control of the dog. So it's no good if it's a small child or a person under 16 who can't manage or control the dog with them because they are quite strong, they are quite powerful. That's uh, for sure. Those fraudulent text messages, Carol, they're still happening? They are, unfortunately, and it's one that the, the, the people doing these, it's their business, it's their mm. occupation, they're making yeah. money from it. So they are getting more and more adept at getting them that they look more realistic. If there's anything that you're doubting or doubtful about, our advice is if you receive a text from a company that you feel is legit, contact the company directly. Go to their source, find their website, find their contact number. If it's legit, if it's valid, 
there's no difficulties with it. But not to click on anything. If you receive something unwarranted, unsolicited, don't, don't, don't um, click on it or get through to it because it just opens the door then for details to be got and shared. Of course, but uh, your point about it getting more sophisticated as well, you know, I mean, you can see at times why people are taken in by this, but as you say, great care is needed. A car was stolen as well. There was in Guardian Thurlis are investigating a car from outside a house which was later found in Limerick. So again, good work from the colleagues in Limerick that found it. Um, they're looking for dash cam footage for anyone that noticed a BMW at X5, again, an unusual enough car, mm. from Thurlis to Limerick on the 5th of February. So that would have been Sunday a week ago at this stage, between half six and a quarter past nine. If you saw anything or if you have dash cam footage of it, they're asking you to contact Thurlis Garda Station. All right, to Tipperary Town then and more drink driving arrests. Yes, um, again, it's, it's one that... Um, there's still people out there that'll take the chance and mm. put themselves and other people, road users, at risk. There was four arrests for drink driving there in Tiptown in the last two weeks. One person is eligible for a fixed charge notice, which obviously has its own consequences mm. of a disqualification, and the three others will be going before the court soon enough. Um, it's the same message that's been there since almost since the organisation was founded, to never, ever drink and drive or to take the chance. You know, And people will always ask, kind of, oh, but what can I have? Can I have the one point? Mm. And our advice is mm. no. Any, any drink at all will have could have an impairment on you. So it's not worth to take the chance. And you have that new technology as well where drugs are concerned uh, as well, Carol. Yes, great yeah. development for ourselves. Really yeah. simple to use, really effective. And again, it, it will detect anyone that has taken a controlled drug, which, drug, which is going to have an impact right. on their driving. It will impair it. Uh, shed broken into in Bohor Crow uh, near Tipperary Town, yeah? Yes, and what's curious in relation to the tip... Jury Town was is there seems to be a similarity in relation to building materials being targeted. The first one was on the first of February, between nine o'clock on the first of February and ten o'clock on the second. Shed was broken into in the Boher Crow. There was a number of tools stolen. So again, Tipperary Town would be appealing for anyone that has may have seen anything or any information to contact them. Then next was on the, again on the first of February and between five o'clock on the first and seven o'clock on the seventh, a building site was broken into in the Golden area. There was a number of building materials taken, some of which, quite bulky, Mm. may have required more than one or two people or some form of transport to do it. Then there was, sadly, another one on the 31st of January, between half nine and 12 noon, where there was a power washer and a large quantity of diesel taken from the Bancha area. Yes. And are there similarities between those? Is that the point you're making, Carol? It was just one that I noticed, again, with the increased cost of building materials and tools, and they are quite expensive that they could be just something that those three all have I suppose, a similarity between in, in, in tools and building materials. So if you're owning that or um, in the, that trade, to be mindful of it. All right. Um, uh, rather worrying what happened there near Ballycassine, wasn't it, with that van? There was. It was a van satellite. A um, lot of damage caused to it. It was on the 13th, so quite recently there, only on Monday, at about 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Anyone with dash camera that may have been around or seen it, any early workers that are up bright at the dawn. It would have been still dark probably at that stage, but just if anyone did see anything, any cars, any people in the area, we'd ask them to contact Guardian to town. Right. To the care area then, your own area, Carl, and I suppose a lot of people are interested in that burglary at the house in Art Finnan and horrific detail about that going around. There is. and yeah. it, it has been well reported what happened yeah. and unfortunately we're mindful of the person involved and course, the extra yeah. loss that they suffered in relation to it. There's been a lot of work done on it and I suppose without going to the ins and outs of work, mm. we're, we're making progress is right. how I'd say it. But if there was anybody, if anybody was in the Art area, 
if they did see anything um, on that date, if they can again give us a ring. Anything, we'd always say no matter how small you might think it is, it's worth reporting it to us and let us make the inquiries. It, I always describe it like a jigsaw puzzle. Yes, of course. Yeah, you and might hold a valuable piece that yeah, it. and it's never any load for somebody to ring you there. Oh, you, you're no. always delighted to hear from people, obviously. Um, on the M8 recently, um, some concerns about, about car breakdowns, Carol? We have. There's been a few of late. Mm. There was one individual, lovely lady, who just ran out of diesel. Mm. And she did the right thing. She contacted us. But her concern was to stay in the car. And her concern was almost kind of like, oh, but the car will get damaged. Mm. The advice is, if your car breaks down, for whatever reason on the motorway, is to, if you can... Get into the hard shoulder. If it's in the slow lane, say the, the normal driving lane, leave it there. If you can bring it into the hard shoulder, great. If not, the next step and the most important is to get out of your car, to get over the barrier and to wait for help to come and get you. Um, the danger is that people will stay in the cars and there could be serious consequences. Of, with of it. course there could indeed. Yeah. You're concerned about objects being thrown from flyovers on motorways as well. There has been a few, and it's one that people might do it for stupidity along the way, but it can have serious dire consequences. Mm. There was a case recently where there was flour and eggs being thrown outside between the cash and care motorway stretch. For why, we're astounded. Um, But Mm. most recently, there was stones being thrown. There was a windscreen damaged, which, again, thankfully, the driver was able to continue his journey for a short distance to pull in safely. But that could have serious fatal consequences for people for a momentary of, of course action. yeah and are you saying that you know people should let you know if these things are happening is that it Carl um, it's that we'd encourage people yeah. there's a lot of people going up and down that motorway every day and yeah. you'll see people stopped on the on the flyovers stopped on the, the roads going over it if there's something unusual or if you just feel it doesn't feel right again ring the guards check whichever area you're in it doesn't matter if you ring care or Cashel hmm. or Thurless or Scray anybody will get the call they'll know where it is and it's something that can be checked out if it's someone admiring the trucks going down south or heading north then that's fine but if there is something more sinister to it at least let us deal with it let us go and see what they're up to or why they're hanging out there All right, Uh, to Nina then rather busy circuit court sittings they have had a very Clonmel circuit court is just starting now so Hmm. Nina had the last tranche of it Um, a lot of very significant and very good sentences imposed there one man received a three year sentence for drugs relating to the sale and supply of cocaine. There was another case where, again, a man received a sentence of three years with the final nine months suspended after a stabbing incident Mm. at Racket Hall in Roscray. And the last one then they mentioned there is another one where a man set fire to his rented home. He received a a three-and-a-half-year sentence with the final 12 months suspended. So Mm. serious incidents, but the, the consequences from the court and imposed by the court certainly reflects that. Very good. Some criminal damage incidents uh, reflected in the court there as well. There was there was one from, the again, the 10th of February, mm. where a man smashed the windows of Boris Cain Garda Station and a premises next door. He was arrested, he was taken to court and has been remanded in custody for that. In another incident, a man from the area was charged with two counts of criminal damage, so two charges of criminal damage, in the early hours of the 12th of February at Ashbury and Limerick Street. Again, mm. he was taken to court and 
received bail on that occasion with conditions right. to... And uh, some more criminal damage as well. There was a separate incident in Quilavea. Yeah. Apologies if you pronounce that right. Uh, <laughs> it's a housing estate, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. And the early hours of the 11th of February, so last Saturday morning, the front door of a house were damaged. If anybody, again, in the housing estate, we'd be hopeful that there could be someone up heading to work or up minding a child or going to bed after a late night hmm. that might have seen or heard something, even if they heard or saw a car driving in a route. If they have the make and the model and even some of the registration of it, we can put together the rest of it. And it, as I said, it could be another jigsaw piece for colleagues up in Nina to solve it. Very good. Was there a trespass at the school in Roscray as well? There was on the 7th of February at 11 o'clock. Guardian Roscray went to a call of trespasses at the school. On When they got there, there was two men arrested and charged before the court. One, as we'll call him a gentleman, was found in possession of an implement and he has he's another charge there in relation to that. All right. And a man breaking into a car as well, Carl. They have been busy up there. On the 9th of February, Guardian Rescue received a report of a man breaking in. They received a description of him and he was arrested there after a short time when Guardian got to the scene. He was again charged before the court with theft offences. Right. Some advice for boat owners along Loch Derg there because again there's been uh, some uh, some engines t- taken I think. They have in the last six weeks there's been three boat engines engines reported stolen again around Loch Derg. It's something that I suppose it doesn't trouble a lot of temporary for the boat owners but for up around that part of the world if you have one if you use one take steps to ensure that it's safe that it's locked up secured that you have a record of it so that if it is taken, it can be traced back to you. Right, so a bank card stolen? bank card was stolen by from a man there in on the 6th of February in Ross Grey. Mm. It was used to carry out a number of transactions without the owner's consent or permission. So Gerdy up there are looking at CCTV and they're hopeful for an early arrest. Uh, did somebody break into the golf club as well? Was it? They did and there's been advice given to other golf clubs around the county and around the area. Around midnight on the 13th, and into the 14th, Gardy Ross Grey Golf Course was broken into. So again, those inquiries are ongoing. CCTV is being looked at and again, we'll be hopeful of a quick resolution in that. Right. We often hear about this, but theft from a car. And again, I suppose it begs your your um, advice. Don't be leaving stuff in cars, I suppose. Don't be leaving stuff in cars and also lock your car, even mm. if it's parked outside your house. Yeah. People, you, we... We can have a false sense of security, that it's safe, that it's fine, that nothing's going to happen. It. But as was demonstrated there in the case on the Dublin Road in Nina on the 13th of February, mm. shortly after nine o'clock, property was taken. Um, on the 14th of February, there was a man searched and the property was recovered. So it's just, it's lock them, mm. but more importantly, don't leave it and don't leave it on the back seat or even in the boot where it can be seen by someone opportunistic and away they go with it. For sure. To the Clonmel area then and the drugs units, they've been busy. They're always busy over there. Yeah. Bless them. Um, again, it's unfortunate that it's there but it's keeping them, they're yeah. doing their best for it. On the 9th of February, the drugs unit in Clonmel searched the house on their, their powers that they can under the Drugs Act, seized cocaine, proximate value is being about €2,000. There was a woman later arrested and a file is being prepared for the DPP. Right. And uh, the patrol car stopped um, a car that was uh, behaving strangely. It is. And Gardy are very tuned into anything that doesn't look right. Mm. So in this case, they stopped the car, spoke to the driver and the passenger. They were searched and there was a knife found in the car. So that person has been arrested and charged before the courts. In relation to that, they'll have a a case to answer. Burglary in uh, Clanmel as well. 
Unfortunately, um, there was a burglary in a house in Clonmel on the 9th of February, but there was a man in his 20s was arrested. He was detained, taken to a special court, and he has been remanded in custody. Mm. Something we, we speak about every week is public order uh, offences. Quite, quite a few there, I'm looking at. Yeah. There was in Clamel, and it's a sign that society really has opened up and everything is back to the norm as such, but regretfully then it has consequences. Yeah. Where there was 14 people arrested for various public order offences for being drunk around the streets of Clonmel. So in the last two weeks, there's been 14, and some have been charged to court. Others will receive penalties, will receive fines in relation to it. Mm. So, uh, there was a drink driving incident, I think, uh, around the same time. There was. There was yeah. one person over in Clamell arrested for drunk driving, and yeah. again, they've, they're before the courts. So, Carrie Kinshore, then, and yet another burglary, Carol. It is. It was there on the 8th of February at a house in an estate on the Dungarvan Road out of Carrick and Shore. Gardy, you're appealing for any witnesses, especially anyone that might have seen any people acting suspiciously in that area around that time. There was some jewellery was stolen in the burglary and Gardy and Carrick and Shore and Clamell would be anxious to speak to anyone that might have been offered jewellery for mm. sale recently. Mindless vandalism this time, really stupid stuff. It's so frustrating mm. for everybody involved. Yeah. The Gardy and Clamell are investigating a smashed window at the library overnight on the 13th into the 14th there recently. Thankfully, nobody gained entry into the library, but premises, it seems to be a mindless act. But I suppose we would be thinking again, it could be somebody with extra time in their hands mm. during the time of year with midterm break falling into. But again, appealing for witnesses, if anyone saw or heard anyone, or if he's aware of anything, to give us a shout. Uh, and finally, Carol, something that seems quite prevalent as well, fuel stolen. Yes, uh, two cars parked in a car park in the Poppyfield area of Clanmel overnight on the 8th and 9th of February. So anyone that may have seen anything or any dash cam footage, which is a great resource for us at this stage, if they can let us know and share it with us. All right. It's always a pleasure, Carol. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to no you. No problem. Thank you. That's Carol O'Leary there, Sergeant in Charge of Care Garda Station. We'll take a break. We have some live music on the way. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by one of my favourite singers from Tipperary Town, Anthony O'Connor is with me. Anthony, how are you? I'm good, Fran. I'm good. Thanks for having me here Great to see you. And you know what? I'm delighted to know that you're back recording music uh, again. Did you give it a break for a while, Anthony? I did, really. I did. I didn't. I just just lost the interest, really. Did you? Yeah. And I came across that song that you're going to play for me, and I just said, the first time I heard it, I just said, I have to record that. That's just magic song. Were you ready for the kind of reaction you got to it, though? Not really, no. Yeah. To be honest with you, not really, you know. But uh, their reaction has been absolutely brilliant, you know. Yeah, yeah. Really good. Where, well, tell me about the song and where it came from and that. It's uh, it's an Alan Jackson song. That's where I actually heard it. And uh, to be honest and truthful, the first time I heard it, I said, I'm going to record that. Did you? The yeah. very first time. Yeah. Because I just loved the, the melody and, and the actual sentiment of the song was just... I said, yeah. that's, that's, I really like that, you know. Right, so. and and then it started to get uh, play and much requested everywhere. Massively, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I I was really happy with that, you know. I just, it's I did, you know, most people didn't know the song, but 
they yeah. got into it after, after a while, I have to say now, which was well played. Because what I always love about you when you, when you record the songs over the years, I mean, you're not exactly the kind of fellow who'll be running out and beating on doors and getting people to play it. I mean, you, you depend on people picking it up and sort of running. That's what I'd be doing, know? yeah. That's yeah. just the normal way I would do it, you know. Yeah. But I came across a, a guy, and uh, his name is PJ, and he, he liked the song, and... Um, he was the first person to play it for me. Very good. That's the yeah. great PJ Cummins. PJ Cummins, yeah. West Radio, yeah. of course. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, fr- and from that, it, it escalated. We'll, we'll have a listen to it uh, right now. So it's a, an Alan Jackson song. Alan Jackson. Okay, yeah. but this is Anthony O'Connor. It's called You Can Always Come Home. <laughs> Took those words with me 
Anthony O'Connor and you can always come home and uh, Anthony is with me live in studio today um, uh, Helena was on to us from Banch and say great to see our Anthony O'Connor back in great form and he may have taken a break but his followers and fan club certainly didn't and it's a beautiful song from the heart so it says great days ahead and lots to look forward to as well so there you go nice, lovely. nice, nice message from, from Helena there it's a great song isn't it is, is there a, more of an appetite for that kind of American acoustic music is it, is that growing Anthony do you think I don't know but it, it, it appeals to me that kind of a sound yeah. you know it really really does you know and especially the storyline you know most American country songs have a, a fabulous story storyline but this one really yeah. yeah as I said I only heard it once and I said that, that's, that's for me, yeah. That's for me, you know. Uh, when I heard you, first of all, of course, all those years ago back in Cornies, I mean, mm. you were singing folk music yeah, uh, I, at the time. Know, I still, yeah, I still enjoy folk, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's one of my top priorities of music, you know, folk, country, anything yeah. really, you know. Because there's a lot of similarities, I suppose, in the in, in mm. the music. I know at the time you were a big Sean Keane fan, for example. Massive, yeah, you, yeah. you liked his sort of mm. stuff as well, yeah. Yeah, right. You, you, you have a guitar with you. I have, your friend. Nobody's allowed in here unless they... <laughs> <laughs> they perform live for us. What are you, you'll do something live for us, will you? I will, friend. I'm going to have to put on the old glasses now, friend, because when you get to 63 <laughs> and 7 months, like, you need all the props you can get. <laughs> don't, don't I know? Don't I know? And uh, the glasses are on because PJ is here with a camera, you see. So, you know, you're spoiling your image now. And all I know, much. That's just the way it goes. But um, it's a song called The Three Wooden Crosses. That's what right. it's called. It's Randy Travis. That's where I heard it. And uh, another song that has a great story. It's a... The story of the song is about four people on a bus and the bus crashes and three of them are killed. Mm. But one survives, you know, and uh, you have to go to the last the last chorus of the song to find who, which person survived, you wow. know. okay. You know, so um, I am... Um, and you're going to record this? I have it recorded have it already, recorded. yeah, and yeah. I'm going to... Um, I, I, I'll give it a blast. I want to mention one guy, his name is Ted. He loves this song, you know. Mm. He always gets me to sing it, Does you know. He, yeah. yeah, and... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just just do like it. I'll give it a lash. Very good, in your own time. 
farmer and a teacher, hooker and a preacher, riding on a midnight bus bound for Mexico. One was headed for vacation, one for higher education. Two of them were searching for a lost soul. That driver never ever saw the stop sign. And eighteen wheelers can't stop on a dime. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows. Yes, it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go. That farmer left the harvest, home in 80 acres. Fade in love for growing crops in his young son's heart. And that teacher left through wisdom in the minds of lots of children. Did her best to give them all a better start. And the preacher whispered, can't you see the promised land? As he held that bloodstained Bible in that hooker's hand. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows. I guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go. That's the story that our preacher told last Sunday As he held the bloodstained Bible up for all of us to see Bless the farmer and the teacher and the preacher Who gave that Bible to my mama Who read it to me There are three wooden crosses On the right side of the highway why there's not four of them Now I guess we know It's not what you take When you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you When you go There are three wooden crosses On the right side of highway Smashing song, isn't Good it? Of a song, isn't it? Absolutely smashing Beautiful song, indeed, song. Yeah. And you have that recorded on the I moment. have, yeah, I have yeah, that. Brilliant. We have to mention where you record, of course. Oh, Joe, Gaff Studios. Yeah. Uh, Out New Inn there. New Inn, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Joe's great. Really good, you know. Isn't, really isn't it great, yeah. What, what did you make of... Um, uh, COVID and, and the time off, Anthony. Did you use it positively? I mean, did you, you know? I use it positively, music-wise. Yeah. I really tore into songs at home, you know, and... Mm. Uh, just about just, I was just got into learning songs, and I went, a lot of them I haven't even sang, you know. Mm, yeah. But they they kept me. It's just therapy. Music is therapy. Like it's great because some musicians I talked to, I mean, they 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 just didn't do anything. They they found it hard to get out the old music over over that time. You no, know? I I found it absolutely. It I just I I pick up something, I'd hear it, I'd learn it. Mm. And with me, if I don't sing a thing on a constant basis, I lose the words, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but. It, uh, but that way it worked. It was positive that way, music-wise. But like everyone being locked down, like that was a nightmare. Like you know yeah. what I mean. And you look back over the 
dim couple of years. The or wasted like, time, like oh, it was yeah. crazy. Oh, like you yeah. know, you could only walk two kilometers. I like walking. Yeah, and I could only walk, you know, two kilometers. You know, and you know, you know. Yeah. But thank God it's gone now. It's changed. Yeah. You know? Ab- absolutely, for sure. Teresa was on, and she said uh, a great. Uh, listening to uh, Anthony, uh, you're brilliant. Always best of luck. And uh, your goddaughter and cousin, Teresa. So there you go. Oh, lovely. I know. Yes. Thanks, Teresa. Thank yeah. you, Teresa. Uh, Elaine says she could uh, listen to you all day. She doesn't know you, but she could listen to you all day. So there Thanks you go. Very much, well, Elaine, Elaine look, much, out, look out for Anthony. Yeah. Do, you, do you know we were talking about cornies? And we, we have to give mention because, again, when I heard you, first of all, you were there with people like, like obviously, LB Grace. And, yeah, yeah. But, but you were there with, with um, uh, you know, Chris Buckley and. Chris. Yeah. Johnny Jones, Johnny Jones and, yeah. and sadly no longer with us. And no, 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 they were great. And it was a great learning curve for me, you know. Was it? Yeah, it was, because I always found um, you'd be watching the boys playing, you know. That's the way I, I picked up the cards at that time, like, you know. Yeah. And, uh, there was no internet, like, so you, could, you didn't have any access to that, so... But it was all quality music, actually, oh, was wasn't all, it? Yeah, the really, really good, yeah, yeah, you know. So you'd spot something and one of the lads would be playing and you'd say... I don't know what it is, but I like it. Yeah. So, and you just walk over and ask them, what's that? Like, you know, and they might say an F-sharp minor or something like that. So you pick up stuff from them. Yeah, yeah. you pick up stuff like that yes, and guess, you yeah. go home then you practice it. And you know, when I still hear songs like Both Sides, and whenever I hear Both Sides, yeah, now, I think so. of Johnny Jones, yeah, you know, Johnny. and the long black limousine, yeah. I think of Chris. Yeah, yeah, you know, great, great like stuff. Everybody. Yeah. And that great Northern Ireland song you used to sing. Oh, the, um, the Sniper's Promise. Sniper's Promise. That's a mighty song, isn't it? That's a mighty song, I'll tell you. a mighty song. I, I'll bet you're still asked for that, are you? I, I only sang it, when did I sing it? I sang it about, as an old session there about a month ago. Right. And that's the amazing thing about this is um, I, I hadn't sang that song for years. And as I told you a minute ago, I learned a song this week, and if I hadn't sang it <laughs> within the next couple of weeks, it's just gone. Right, it. yeah. But I hadn't sang that song for years, but the guy asked me, and I said, I'll chance it. I could re- I had every bit of it I remembered. Yes, the, uh, you know, yeah. the, the other the other one from you I always remember is um, uh, Big River. Oh yeah, J- Jimmy Neil. Jimmy Neil song, mighty song, yeah, yeah. Mighty, mighty song, yeah. yeah. So you always had a great ear for great songs. Just yeah. just like I hear it, I said, I, well, I'll have to I have to learn that. Yeah, whatever nobody else likes it or not. <laughs> It's for me. For, for me. Like, <laughs> you know. I keep telling everybody, I'm doing that for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, would you, I mean, with the singles coming out now, will you put an album together at some point? Well, that's down the road, you know. I, I don't know. You see, mm. you don't know. You see, uh, I don't have enough. I've got a few songs learned over the, well, as we spoke yeah. about COVID. And um, I'll, I'll have to really go over them again just to see what I have, you know. Yeah, I think it would make a great album, like you know? that, that kind of stuff. Um, Marion is in Bursa Kane. She said it was a lovely song, great performance. Uh, Shawnee Peters uh, with us say Anthony is just brilliant, and I believe he's brilliant to sing Grace as well. You do Grace as I well? I do yeah, Grace yeah. from time to time, yeah. Fantastic, yeah. all right. Well, Anthony, we look forward to having you back when when the other recordings uh, no are out there. Mary and Tipperary Town onto us as well say fantastic song, and uh, Marvin and she loves Anthony as well, so there you go. Lovely to see you, Anthony. Thanks very we much. We wish man. you the very, very best. And keep requesting uh, the song you can always come home from Anthony here on the station and indeed other radio stations as uh, well we'll take, we'll take uh, I'd like to just thank PJ PJ just for the great PJ Cummins yes. the, the great PJ Cummins for bringing in the camera and, yeah absolutely and, so yeah. I presume PJ will we see that up on uh, line somewhere oh he's just nodding at me <laughs> it's where he was shy or something alright we'll take a break we'll be talking gardening in just a few moments Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. There's some breaking news that Nicola Sturgeon uh, has confirmed that she's resigning as Scotland's First Minister after more than eight years in the role. And the Scottish National Party leader said that she knew in my head and in my heart that this was the right time to step down. She made... Uh, the announcement of the rather hastily arranged news conference in Edinburgh and the First Minister said that she would remain in office until her successor was elected. Uh, Miss Sturgeon is the longest serving First Minister and the first woman to hold the position. She said serving in the role has been a privilege beyond measure. All right, let us talk gardening and delighted to be joined now by uh, Alton Nesbitt of Centenary Home and Garden. Good morning to you, Alton. Good morning, Frank. Good to talk to you today. What a beautiful day it is out there. A beautiful day for gardening. Absolutely. And really, lots of things are starting to come into full full bloom. Um, now, we're, I, I love this time of the year because I mean, after the doldrums of winter, it's lovely to see the spring balls uh, giving a great display. Things like the lovely snowdrops, the daffodils, the lovely crocuses as well are, are, are really are fantastic. Or a thing called an enemy, which is particularly good as well. But also the bluebells are starting to appear and uh, a thing called like the, the wild garlic and, and, and other things, kind of nice naturalised plants that are coming into full, full bloom now in the next couple of weeks. Um, at, at this time of the year as well, it's a good thing to think about things for the summertime. Mm. So I, I always think things, things that um, make a great display are, are the, the summer bulbs. Now, things like um, the lovely begonias. Now, begonias are probably one of the nicest um, flowers that you can get right through the whole summer. They give a, a great display of, of different colours and different shapes as well. You have the lovely hanging basket and begonias, which will cascade over the side of your, your hanging baskets or your window boxes as well. Or there's lovely the uh, double um, mixed begonias. These are the double-headed begonias, quite big and showy, big blousy-type flowers of them. And they're fantastic in the centre of containers to give a bit of height as well. But these are these come in, in pre-packs, um, so you get about three three begonia bulbs in a pack, um, and uh, uh, again you can get them in mixed colours as well. Now with the begonias, the, with the top part of it is the hollow part, so you always have that just above, uh, just below the soil surface when you're when you're planting it into into containers. And um, it's a very good idea is to start sowing all these things now in in containers in in pots, so that you give give them really good start. Things like your begonias, dahlias, lilies. Cavioli, even the things like Crocosmia or, or, or even uh, a lot of the uh, thing, thing called Nirene, which is quite nice as well. It's an unusual type flower, lovely pink pink flowers or, or, or white as well. That you can get in those. But these are lovely summer bulbs that you can start sowing now. I always put them into a kind of um, a, a multi-purpose compost with, with um, a mix of um, vermiculite or perlite into the compost. That just gives it um, more insulation. Yes. In the compost, so it gets the, the plants to start off a lot earlier for you. So that's therefore you get much more uh, a longer display of flowers right through the summer as well. Things like the the the, the dahlias are a little bit fussy because what happens with those is that the shoots come up quite soft. It's very important if there is going to be a late frost is to protect them from from any late frost by putting your fleece over them. 
um, and also um, slugs love them as well. So make sure that there's um, uh, no slugs where, where you're growing them. Um, either use little dishes of beer or copper band around the pot to stop the slugs from devouring them. Very good. Uh, lots of questions in as usual. I hardly know where to start, Elton. Um, this listener says, I had very bad black spots on my roses last year, so I treated them. But now I see the spots on the new leaves. I cut them back in October and I treated them. But what else can I do? Really, with, with, um, with black spots on, on roses, it's very important to give uh, uh, the rose bush itself um, a spray of a winter wash onto the rose during the dormant season. So this time of year is quite good to do that. So uh, pr- prune it back, get rid of any old or damaged stems off the rose bush itself. That will, will tidy it up. But also give it a spray of a winter wash over the, the stems. That gets rid of any um, harbour harbouring of, of black spots that may be on the stems. Cleans it up quite well. Then when the new shoots come on or stem, I want you to spray with either rose shield, multi-rose or rose clear. These are very good. Um, uh, they're actually insecticides as well as a fungicide on them. Um, and that keeps it lovely and clean, gets rid of any green fly or white fly that may be attacking them, but also keeps the leaves lovely, lovely and healthy as mm. well. Another good thing as well, that if, you have, if you want really showy type, type roses, is give them a, a magnesium salt, um, just a better fistful. This is the base of each rose. That just gives it more disease resistance to black spot or mildew or anything like that. Right. Another listener, Ulton, saying, I have uh, perennial daisy-like flowers that come in many colours, but they've been destroyed by frost. Will they come back or do I just need to replace them? Any of the chrysanthemum maximums, these are, these are all the daisy-type plants that, 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 that you'd have. They're herbaceous perennials, really, and they keep coming every year. Um, and, and they're quite hardy, actually. So but what you would have um, this, this time of year, in the northern of the stalks, will be still there. So cut them back down to ground level. This will encourage new shoots coming up from the very base of the plants and makes it look, uh, much cleaner looking and, and, and healthier looking as well. Now with an awful lot of the uh, chrysanthemum maximums, it's a, it's a good good plan is to put um, a, a, it'll say a, a support, um, it's a herbaceous perennial support um, uh, on the top of them. Mm. So as they're growing up, they have this frame to, to hold them upright. Because they do get quite tall, they tend to drop to the ground. So it's, it's good to have, have um, uh, support as they're growing up uh, to, to give them support. Like either bamboo cane, do a wigwam of bamboo cane, a bit of string, um, so, and that will give them support. So they get good, um, you get a great display and, and more flowers then as well. Yeah, Lissa says I have uh, sweet William seeds and I remember Alton saying last week to plant them out now in soil. On the packet of instructions that I have, it says to plant in seed pots. Any help would be appreciated. Yeah, with, with, with um, any legume, especially um, any peas, peas or, or beans or anything like that, and especially sweet peas as well, I always use those cardboard, um, uh, uh, those peat pots, mm. um, and they're eight inches uh, peat pots. And I put about five seeds in that, um, uh, use a, a multi-purpose compost again in that, and just put them um, five seeds I- into the pot, about uh, four at the outer side of it and one in the centre then as well. Now, and that's because peas don't like their, their um, roots being disturbed, they're much, much better growing in those kind of peat pots so that you can plant the whole thing into the ground and then the root system will, will go out through the, the peat pot um, as it degrades. And so uh, when the peas get to about 
three or four inches in, in, in growth is just to pinch the tips of them. This forces a much bushier, bushier plant as well and, and therefore better, better flowering as well and, uh, through, the, through the summer months. Peas are good to start off now uh, as much as possible, but do have them in those um, peat pots that grow an awful lot better. And, and then by the, when the risk of frost is gone, you can plant them out. Caller is wondering if they can move an apple tree, Alton, to a different area. They set it last year. Um, you can. Um, now, try and get as much of a root ball as possible when you're transplanting it. Most apple trees then as well are bottom grafted. So it's very important to have the graft just above the ground. You find a kind of a knot mm. um, where, where, where the rootstock is. So always have that just above the ground when you're transplanting it. Um, uh, and uh, always give it really good support as well, tree support, um, because a lot of the trees tend to get rocking in, in the wind. So uh, a good stake and a good tree tie on it. Normally I put a double tree tie, uh, top and bottom, so that gives it great support if it's in a windy spot as well. Uh, wash it well after transplanting it. Um, and um, uh, use a thing called salsa or potash, just a fistful, just at the base of, of the root system, and that will give you a great, great start um, for, for the spring and going into the summer. Right, a listener wants to know what is the best spray to put on black spots on the leaves of red robin? Um, what can I do to make uh, them better again? Yeah, there's a thing called fungus fighter. Um, it's a ready to use, it comes in about 750 ml spray. So fungus, fungus fighter spray onto the uh, Virginia red robin. Um, now, the new leaves will be coming on that. The old leaves that are affected are affected, they're going to fall off. But it's the new leaves that you want to keep lovely and clean. So, again, uh, always spray this uh, every three weeks. Um, so when the new leaves come on, do it late in the evening time and spray with this fungus fighter spray onto, onto the foliage. Keeps it lovely and clean and, and healthy. Now, we do have another spray, it's a thing called um, boxes. Uh, top boxes spray, normally used for box hedging, but that's quite good for, for blight as well on, on, on hedgings, particularly uh, like the petunias or the, or the box hedge as well. Right, a listener has bindweed uh, in oh, yeah. the garden. It's uh, in my vegetables and flowers. Any advice, Moulton? Really, with the bindweed, um, if you can do use a spray, an SBK brushwood killer spray, as the bindweed starts to grow. Now, you, only, you can only do this in, the, in kind of the middle of May, um, onwards. Um, so as the growth of the bindweed starts, you can spray it with, a, with an SBK brush with care onto the foliage of the bindweed itself. And that would get down to the root system and kill it. Other than that, I would actually do, if it's in a vegetable garden, I would tend to do a double dig on, on, on the vegetable garden, getting up any root system from the bindweed. Now, the, the bindweed has a really white root on it. Um, it's almost like scotch grass but, but, but it has a, a much thicker whiter root on it. So try and uh, collect as much of that root system that's in the bed as possible. So kind of hand, uh, dig it dig it up out, out of it and, and collect as much of that um, uh, white bindweed uh, as possible. Right, just a final one if you would. I have a path around my garden apart from power washing. How can I clean the path? Is there a spray that you'd recommend? I always think for paths or, or, or for uh, gravel yards and things like that. I always find the chores very good for, for that. It cleans stuff like new. Even if you have that black algae or green algae on, on, on the path, um, if you do uh, one and a half litres to a 10 litre water can, do a drench over, over the path with that. That takes about three hours for that to clean it up quite well. Um, and again, in three days, 
you'll, you'll find it completely gone. And if there is any, um, this is that thick matter, um, algae, or almost like um, uh, 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 a litching on, on mm. the, the, the path, it, it brushes off quite easily after the three days. So, so chlorus is the best thing to use. Um, it's uh, one and a half litres to a ten litre watering can and do a drench over the path with that. All right. Alton, it's always good to talk to you. Happy gardening. Thank you very much indeed. Good morning to you. That's Alton Nesbeth there of Centenary Home and Garden. That's about it for me. We're still getting in messages uh, telling me how much you enjoyed hearing Anthony O'Connor sing live uh, today. And uh, thank you for that. Emma produced. Uh, Ellie looks after our content. Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.